Hey Beatles, check it out. That chick's got green hair. <laughs> yeah, she's got a whip. Maybe she'll be good. <laughs> Justin, these better not be friends of yours. I know we've explored some strange places, but these guys are just... They've been staring at my chest for five minutes. Shush, Fina. I'm trying to clean up the mess our kids made, and it's not easy with a hangover. <laughs> boing, boing. Shut up, Beavis. Intella, Intella, uh, uh, not a dumbass. Uh, hey, baby, you wanna do it? Yeah, yeah, you wanna do it? Right. <laughs> oh, that is it. You two are gonna get the fire whip right to the balls. <laughs> hey, Beavis, she hit us in the nads. <coughs> yeah, she did. Right <laughs> hey, you two. Why are you hunkered down on the road like that? I know we just killed the Pope, but you don't look like strict Catholics from here. Oh, you poor dears. You're hurt. What happened? <laughs> hey, buddy. It's another chick. It's just like blowing on me. <laughs> you said blow. <laughs> hey, I'm not here for you to grope. No! You got it, Elena. Hey, Hormone Heads, time to lose libido and then crawl in the dirt. <laughs> she said head. <laughs> yeah, head. <laughs> Alfida, you need to slow down. Don't get ahead of me. But my brother is over there, and he's gonna show me how to spike his hair like a circlet the way he does. I can't wait to learn. Who are you? Uh, get those other chicks back, dude. You're like flat and stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, put that lady behind you. <laughs> Her thing is so huge. <laughs> I am Tortolio, and I see giant boobies. I claim them in the name of my uncle. <laughs> you noxious vermin are a blight upon the land. Remove yourselves from our gaze immediately, or suffer the penalty. <laughs> Oh, fine. I know what I have to do. Bianca, here are two new recruits for your gambling den. Share them with Nana, Saki, and Mio, so they don't have to ever run away. So let's go hear an RPG backtrack. Today, our team of extreme RP gamers discuss the often overlooked Grandia series. Expect the unexpected as Mike pulls out all the stops to expose why he's so excited about Tenge Makayu 4. On Blast from the Recent Past, we provide exposition on a handful of games from two years ago. All of this and an excruciating love of the word extreme on this episode of RPG Backtrack. Welcome to 
RPG Backtrack, where we discuss computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up to yesteryear. It's also the place where we can't pronounce any proper nouns, encourage spoilers, and the hosts are knocking monsters into the air in extreme fashion. I'm Phil Willis. And I am someone else. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 27, I Like Killing Things. Mr. Miki, we have a whole bunch of games to talk about. This is just so extreme, my head's about to blow off its shoulders. Keep it in touch, keep in touch, Phil. Don't let your head go away with you. You need to, you need to focus the extreme. I, you can't let it get the mastery of you. You have to be extreme only when it's called for. I'm focusing my stream by not only timing my attacks and making sure I'm using heavy and light attacks at the appropriate time, but also with this nice big can of Miller Lite next to me. I am good to go! Let's introduce our gaggle of guests for this evening. First up, Miss Becky Cunningham. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing excellent. You are? So am I. I think I can actually pronounce two of the four people's names tonight, so I'm doing pretty good. I'm at 50%. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yeah, well, it's fortunate for you because you're the one of the ones I got correct, which means, uh, you know, the other three people are just a little worried. You always get my name right. It makes me worried I'm going to get a new one someday. Yes, and somebody here will get a new name tonight. Mr. <laughs> Paul Engelman, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic. How are you guys? Okie dokie. How are things going for you? Eh, tired, but other than that, all right. Play anything fun, new, and exciting lately? Um... It's not new or exciting. Well, it's kind of exciting playing Dragon Quest and which one? That's about it. Nine. Okay. Yeah, Yay. when you say Dragon Quest, you have to specify <laughs> the new one. that you went back to the NES. Oh yeah, <laughs> I thought he was gonna bust out with I'm playing Dragon Quest three. No, my Dragon Warrior one is uh, the battery died. Mm. No, that's easy to replace. And. Welcome back, Mr. Tom Goodman. Hello. Was that right or was that wrong? I lost track. It's It doesn't matter anymore. Okay, cool. <laughs> and for the first time on the newly revamped and totally updated backtrack, we have Miss Sam Marshmallow. You know, I've heard that one before. Oh, man, I thought that was original. Not at all. I shall have to ponder harder next time. I'm sure you can Pro come tip. Up with better. I've also heard the Happy Days one enough to strangle anyone who uses it. <laughs> Sam, have you heard? Uh, have you played anything new, fun, and exciting lately? Uh, I just beat Yakuza 2, which I mostly marathoned during Extra Life, and it was super duper awesome. Good times. Was it really? Yeah, I've seen some the first one was not great. The second one was wonderful. Oh, neat. Maybe I'll have to check it out, because I wasn't too wild about it. I did get through, like, the sixth dungeon, but didn't get too much further in that. Well, no dungeons in Yakuza. <laughs> in Yakuza? Yakuza. Oh, Yakuza! Sorry, I'm getting that mixed up with the uh, Ikuza, or whatever her name is. No, no, I, I played Izuna. A... Yeah. Izuna. Yeah. Izuna. They all yeah. start sounding the same after a while. Oh, no. Y Yakuza is, like fun time with a B-Mafia story and lots of people die, and then there's Koreans, and the Koreans are all like, I'm gonna kill you all! And then Kazuma Kiryu's like, but we must do this very quickly. And then it's very sad afterwards, and everybody cries. It's and there's so batting cool. cages. I hate the batting cage. I hate Haruka. I hate making Haruka happy. Why must the game do that every time? Sorry, I brought it up. <laughs> I hate Haruka. Tom, you see what you did? 
you just ruined Nick's Nick's life. I'm sorry, Sam. This this will be forgotten somehow, even if it takes years of counseling and much alcohol. I do that a lot. I have some extra Miller over here, Sam. Sweet. <laughs> Miss uh, Miss Cunningham. Becky? What about me? Yeah, hey. <laughs> you remember remember we, we had that little discussion a couple of shows ago about uh, good old games and their little advertising stunt? We did indeed. We did indeedly doodly. And um, ever since then, uh, GOG has been trying very, very hard to make up for their terrible, terrible prank by releasing a number of really awesome RPGs. They Would, have indeed. Do you know what they are? Well, they put up uh, Baldur's Gate 1 and Planescape Torment um, and Icewind Dale, which is not as good as the other two, but they were running out of good Hasbro games, so <laughs> they put that one in. Um, I'm afraid that they may be going downhill after this, though, because they've been saying they have all these Hasbro games, but I think they've released pretty much almost all of the good ones now. Except for Baldur's Gate 2. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, they haven't, that's true. They haven't done Baldur's Gate 2. Maybe they'll save that for the finale. Well, they might need to use it a little bit earlier than later because they just also released the Temple of Elemental Evil. All right, I forgot about that one because I wasn't impressed with it when I played it. A number, a number of people were, and I, I, I kind of enjoyed it in a fanboy sort of way because for me it was a throwback to the turn-based uh, gold box games or whatnot. But it did give a number of people problems because of its evil, evil hiccups and bugs and whatnot, and it took a, a fan patch later on down the road to address some of those. And uh, and add some more con- some more needed content because it was a rather short game, only letting you get to the tenth level. How rude! I was just enraged because I couldn't kill children. That's not actually true, but apparently that was really controversial back then. Yeah, what's up with that? I can run Granny over in Grand Theft Auto, but I can't kill children in a role-playing game. Hello. <laughs> Something wow. about the publisher insisted on it and some random stuff, so they ended up taking out like half the villagers. I don't know. So, so Becky, does 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 this does this list of games here make up for the for the pain they caused you during their little stunt? Well, they didn't really cause me a great deal of pain. So. Do you think the fans will forgive them? I I think the fans who were really really mad are the type of internet flash pan type of reaction that'll go away anyway. So maybe they've already done so, Mister Tom. Uh, yeah. I hear there's a couple of of uh, retro RPGs that just hit the PlayStation Network over the last few weeks. Yeah. Do you care What's to that? share with our audience what those duo might be? Those would be Alundra and Ark the Lad. Now, have any of y'all um, played either one of those games? Have you played them, Tom? I played a good bit of Alundra, and you might say it's Zelda on the PlayStation 1. Um, sort of. And it's I found it more depressing um, you play, it's like an action RPG, and you, you go into, like, people are having nightmares that are killing them or something. Nice. Uh, you're, you go into their dreams sometime and save them. You're also in, uh, Wait, moving around. The... Kill them? Did this have Freddy Krueger anywhere? Um, I think it's got, like, a sim- similar demons in people's nightmares. I was about to say, it sounds like a nightmare on Hyrule Street. <laughs> yeah, sort of, sort of like that. <laughs> um, it's a pretty Ooh. cool game. Um... Ark the Lad I played a little bit of. That's a it's a good it's a tactical RPG sort of like Shining Force or something like that. And um if you like those types of games you'll probably like Ark the Lad even though it's pretty short. It's it's um, be- sh- short and it's a little on the simple side as well. 
Yeah, it was released in a, a trilogy collection originally in North America, the Arctolad Collection, which had three games. So this is just the first one. But uh, supposedly they're releasing the second and third. If this sells enough, they've been rated by the ESRB, apparently. But uh, out of the two, I would recommend Alundra first. Nice. Well, I'm going to go and fire up my PlayStation and download Alundra. We'll be back in a minute for Blast from the Recent Past. This month on Blast in the Recent Past, we have four RPGs on the list. We're going to start off with the Xbox exclusive Fable 2. This was developed by Lionhead Studios, published by Microsoft, and released on the Xbox 360 here in North America, October 21st, 2008. Have any of you had the profound and deep pleasure of playing Fable 2? I have indeed, and I quite enjoyed it, even though it's incredibly silly. <laughs> now, I remember Fable 1, and I've actually played Fable 1 because that was released on the PC eventually. And I understand, you know, with Fable 1, even though I thought it was pretty enjoyable, a lot of people were disappointed because it really didn't let you, it, it, you because there was so much hype about being able to shape your destiny by making all your own choices. And that didn't really, that really didn't pan out. Did, did they fix that in Fable 2, Becky? Um, well, see, I learned back in the days of black and white never to bother listening to Peter Molyneux and what he says about upcoming games. So I really went into Fable 2 with no expectations. I figured, let's this looks fun. I got it on sale when we first got our Xbox for super cheap at a Boxing Day sale. So I was like, hey, whatever. And I really think that's the best way to go into the Fable games is say, okay, this is going to be a fun kind of goofy action adventure slash RPG. And that's pretty much what it is. Um, there's some, there's definitely some problems with Fable's sort of formula that they use for the games. Like there's some really, really silly, um, uh, there's all these sliders, whether you're good or evil, corrupt or pure. And it's like, if you eat celery and nothing but celery, you're very, very pure. <laughs> Oh, and, and if you eat a single meat pie, you start moving into corruption, and you start getting fat. And it's like, okay, apparently oh, okay. we've got some. Apparently we've got some militant vegans working on these games, but, and and there's there's stuff like that. Like, um, if you can marry people, you can be a polygamist if you want, but none of the townspeople really have that much in the way of personality, and you can't really interact with them very well. Oh. So basically, all you can do with your spouse is make babies and. Oh, give them now, gifts come stuff. on. I, I play games to get away. I already live in Utah. No, I'm just kidding. Bad, Bill. Bad. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. See, my, 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 fable, my, my Fable 2 character was a total hoe because uh, I didn't really care. <laughs> I, my, I wasn't. I wasn't emotionally attached to the character because I was just having fun, like dressing up like a pirate and winking everything in, in range. Um, and, and the game sort of encourages that by not 
overly developing the characters too much. Yeah, I mean, definitely that was a thing for me with Fable 1. As long as you play, you don't take it, you know, terribly seriously and whatnot, and you're just there to have some fun with with the RPG trappings uh, in tow and whatnot. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to be getting Fable 3 when it comes out, because I enjoyed it. And I know a lot of our RP gamers are, are like, Fable is so evil because they never live up to their promise. And it's like, yeah, that's fine, though, because if you don't care about whether they live up to the promise, they're kind of fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, and you could probably get this probably get this game on the cheap by now. It's been out for a few years, so. Oh yeah. Sounds like you would. It sounds like Miss Becky Cunningham would give that one two thumbs up. I give it a thumb up. Nah. It's 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 but not like give... on my great games list or anything. It's just kind of a fun romp. Plus, you know, Phil, you can only give one thumb up. You're supposed to have two people give two thumbs up. Oh, silly me. Well. We uh, we will see how many thumbs up we get for our next selection here. Eternal. Well, su- yes, wait, ma'am. wait a minute. Sam has something to say about Fable. Before 2. you go on, uh, Fable Two, if I'm not mistaken, is actually still free on the Xbox 360 right now. Oh right. Yeah. Ooh. I'm not sure if that's still working though. The last I heard, some people were getting it to work, and some people weren't. But yeah. Yeah. No, we saw it on um on Saturday after, because Becky and Kyle were at my house on Saturday. Um, it was still up when we were cruising because we started playing Castle Crashers again uh, Scott and I and we were like ooh Fable 2 is free too bad we have the disc right there (laughs) so we we can't tell if it's a mistake or not but it's currently free if you want to check it out on your 360 (laughs) well free is definitely a good price I can live with Unfortunately, Eternal Sonata for the PlayStation 3 wasn't free, at least when I bought it. This is a <laughs> game uh, made by, developed by Tri-Crescendo, published by Namco Bandai Games. And it was released, we are talking, see, we're really pretty much talking about the PlayStation 3 version, which was released September 18, 2008, two years ago, which falls into our Blast in the Recent Past timeline. Um, Eternal Sonata uh, was also on the Xbox 360 before that. The PlayStation 3, from what I understand, had a little bit of uh, extra content added to it. And I understand that Mr. Tom can tell us a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, I beat the PlayStation 3 version. I actually reviewed it, gave it a 3.5 out of 5, which is a good rating because I enjoyed it. Uh, it just became a little repetitive. Basically, you play as Frédéric Chopin, who is a famous composer. He's dying in the real world. Um, He's dreaming of a JRPG. So Chopin apparently dreams of Japanese RPGs. So you're playing through the RPG in his dying dream. And um, basically, it's sort of it has a battle system, sort of like Star. It's sort of like Star Ocean. It's real time and turn based, meaning you have an action bar. Um, Each player um, will do whatever can do whatever they want as long as they're not they haven't used up their action bar which means moving takes up some of the action bar attacking um there's a light and dark system use different special moves depending if you're in light or shadow same with the enemies uh, a bunch of playable characters there's a score system where you perform songs with npcs and get bonuses um it's a pretty cool game just like i said uh, it becomes repetitive by the end um, but it's still enjoyable. You can probably get it for pretty cheap. It's worth checking out. 
Well, I, I played it um, while well, I rented it for the 360 a little while back, and I actually, um, it's really pretty, and I thought playing as Chopin was pretty cool, but I couldn't stand the supporting cast. Like, I actively hated them, so I didn't get that far before I sent it back. So I guess it depends <laughs> on it depends on your tolerance level for really, really, really awful JRPG characters. Yeah, they're very emo, and... uh some of the cutscenes are very like they're not very there's one in particular that is just really draws on and on it's not it's very dramatic overly so I like- um, is, is any of Chopin's music featured in the game yeah um it's, uh, a bunch of his piano music like the um rain i forget what it's called something with rain the one that everybody <laughs> hears when a sad moment plays in a movie or something, because it's been heard everywhere. Right, yeah, it uses a lot of his music. Yeah, and the parts that use his music are really nice, and the music that isn't his is pretty mediocre. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you stack up a composer who's been dead for over a century, and his music still endures, I think. <laughs> yep. Well, it sounds like a pretty pretty fun game. One thumb up, one thumb down. It sounds down. like yeah, down. Uh, down way down. All right, so let's uh, let's move on from that controversial title to Star Ocean: First Departure, developed by TOSE Publishers. I don't know Tri-Ace. if that's accurate. Triace. Okay, thank you. Publisher Square Enix for the PlayStation Portable. It, it could have been developed by Tose. That's the group that ports pretty much everything. Remember they did the Final Fantasy IV port on GBA that everybody said, hey, this thing is kind of wonky. It released on October 21st, 2008. And I understand that Miss Marshmallow has played this title. Tell us about Star Ocean First Departure. I'm not winning tonight with you, am I? Who? With this marshmallow thing. <laughs> Roasted? Is that your new first name? Roasted? Go for uh, it, Roasted. Uh, uh, Star Ocean First Departure. Um, I only played it this year. Um, I finally got around to my PSP backlog, and um, it was one of the only Star Ocean games I hadn't played at, at the time. Um, pretty much, obviously, it's the first game of the series, and it's about... You know what? I'm trying to remember what it's even about at the moment. <laughs> you know what? Let me just put it this way. If you liked Star Ocean 2, which we got first, you'll like Star Ocean 1. And the reason for that is the characters are ultra adorable. Oh my god, you get to play as Claude's dad, Roxas. Or Roxness. I, I can't say his name. Anyways, he's super adorable and kind of square. And lots of super cute things happened. And oh my god, there's something like the Sorcery Globe. And it's really scary. And that's all I got for the moment, because <laughs> he kind of put me on the spot. But I don't know, like, Star Ocean, the, the series, you know, it's kind of gone pretty downhill. But I was kind of thankful when Square Enix published this port for the first one, because we never got it. And I'm, I'm a big Star Ocean fan. And it's just, the combat is so much fun in the Star Ocean games, mostly because it's an active combat system. You know, you press your your left and right trigger buttons on the top of the PSP. They do crazy special moves. It's really fast. Um, like, combat can take anywhere between, um, you know, 10 seconds to 30 seconds. That's how fast it goes. And bo- oh, boss fights, that's a lie. Boss fights are probably a lot longer than that. They're at least five minutes-ish. 
but I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. It's really good, and the music's really good, and I love the characters. And oh my god, Roxas, she's so cute. Well, let, let me let me help you out with your search for words there with a couple of contributions. Uh, first one's from Adrian Denald, and he gave it a four point five out of five. He said he loved the crafting system. He enjoyed the fast, fun battles. Story and dialogue change based on choices was a plus. He enjoyed the beautiful visuals. Though he said that if you abuse the crafting system, you can make the game way too easy. And there's only two planets in the so-called ocean. Um, yes, that, that that is a big problem, actually. Okay, so part of the problem with a game called Star Ocean is that you know you you'd think you'd be traveling to at least you know, at least five or six planets. You only go to two. Also, I kept saying his name wrong. It's Ronix Kenny, who is the father of Claude Kenny. And I guess the best way to describe it is to say that, you know, it's about these these char- these two these two bleh. oh my god, I'm so sorry guys. Like my brain's here, I swear. It's about these two characters named Roddick and Millie, and they live in a town where it falls under a curse. People are slowly becoming stoned. They're turning to stone and they're trying to find a cure for it. Well, they accidentally walk into the wrong place at the wrong time, and they meet Ronix and Ilya, who transport them to their spaceship, because they're studying said planet that Ronix and Millie are on, because they also find out that there's a curse going on on their underdeveloped planet. And then pretty much it just goes from there, like it's wacky JRPG plot that is a convoluted mess that makes no sense. There. <laughs> plot. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. I mean, it gave us the staples for a lot of what the Star Ocean series became. Plus, if you've played Star Ocean Four, which <laughs> I know most people don't care for, um, Star Ocean One and Four are very connected to each other. Like the planets that you visit, the two planets you visit in Star Ocean One are in Star Ocean Four, and you have to go back to them when you play Star Ocean Four. And there's a lot of hints in Star Ocean Four about all the events that happened in Star Ocean One. Mm. So connection there. It was one of the actually the few things I liked about Star Ocean 4. <laughs> Too bad the rest of the game was crap. <laughs> well, Mr. Mr. Hello, Sam, have you noticed just how many people on our forums seem to love Star Ocean 4? And they're all crazy. <laughs> Mr. Michael Cunningham, a.k.a. Max Storm, a.k.a. Becky Secret Husband in Utah, also agrees with some of your sentiments, says that the, uh, the combat system is quick and easy. There's an interesting and diverse cast of characters. Private actions are entertaining. Though he feels the presentation is rather bland, not much time spent in space, and he feels that the ending was a bit tacked on. Sorry, Becky, fake husband. I'm sorry. And Utah and certain other states of the Union where polygamy is still allowed. Anyway, so it, it sounds like a pretty... Texas, apparently. Sounds like a pretty fun game for the PSP. Does, does having it on the PSP make it a more fun experience? I mean, do you think that's more fun being on the PSP as opposed to being on a full console? Well, the original version was on the Super Nintendo, so that's not does, really saying much. Does the remake have uh, the intro where the captain goes, "They say the world is a or the universe is a star ocean." Yes. Yes, I, I played some of the original, so I know that that was actually spoken in English on a Super yeah. Nintendo game. That was impressive. Yes. That was the best part of the Super Nintendo version. So <laughs> I'm glad they brought it. Yeah, no, it, it's in there. Um, I don't know, Star Ocean just has so much cheese, and I think that's what makes the series really fun to play. 
and this one's like no exception. As for what Phil said about it being on the PSP, I loved it on the PSP. Um, I loved the fact that it's a very portable, friendly game. Because like when I was working at the university, you know, I'd have an hour on the bus, and I I remember playing that one and being able to just save the moment I got off the bus and everything. So no, it's it's a very good remake, and in fact, it makes the story comprehensible, which is always a good thing. <laughs> so well, you can't argue with that. Now, something yeah. that is not portable friendly and will not be portable friendly any time this century, the Mammoth Fallout 3, developed and published by Bethesda, and um, came out on just about every platform around October 30th, 2008, wraps up our October list of RPGs. This is a first-person action RPG single-player experience, and oh boy, where do we start with this? Uh, I, you know, I want to start off by saying, let me tell you, I got, you know, I talked to a lot of people on the on the chat channel channels and whatnot, and there's always a, a group of people that are just really into the JRPGs and have really never given Western RPGs much of a chance. They just can't see themselves going outside that box, or they don't see anything that really entices them. And I always use Fallout 3 as a great portal game as far as entering them into the world of Western RPGs, because it's just such a, an experience that just draws you in and doesn't let you go from beginning to end. But who, Really? I, I, you know, I, I think so, but what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's good. I don't know if I would use it as a portal to Western RPGs, though. <laughs> I might stick with Fable for something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's Fable. good. Fable? Fable's well, like a joke. It's like funny. It's lighthearted, but it's not really, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the thing with Fallout is that you really have to be into the whole wandering out through the sandbox world kind of thing, which is kind of an alien thing for JRPG fans. But, anyway, um yeah, it's fun. I liked I liked Fallout Three, although I never finished it. The biggest problem with it is the world is really cool, but the story is really kind of crap. Really, that's what I think. Ah. Hmm. Anybody <laughs> else? Yeah. Well, me feel free. The ending is kind of crap. Yeah, I didn't like any of the story all that much. It's kind of like eh, probably because I played the first couple and I thought the stories were better in that, but. Yeah, the ending does. I mean, the ending of just the original game by itself certainly leaves a bit to be desired. That's for sure. Um, but uh, what did you think of the actual, you know, gameplay experience? Which is really was one of the things that made it cutting edge. Is, is it's it's probably the first time that I can remember that you really had a combination of real time and turn based. Uh, decision making going on from a first person perspective. We've seen that done in games like Baldur's Gate or whatnot. We have a team of characters and you can constantly pause and issue actions. But in Fallout 3 you had the VAT system which during it mostly seems like it plays like a first person shooter even though under the hood you know it's rolling dice and percentages and whatnot. But anytime you can hit a button and you can aim at specific body parts. You'll see percentages there based on your skills and the angle and distance and all that other fun stuff. But you can make calculated decisions, hit the hit the button again, and those decisions will play out in kind of like a bullet time format. And then it kind of goes back to the normal first person shooter while that ability recharges. What, what did you What did you think about that? Well, I thought that um, it does solve the problem I was talking about in a few shows back where I wanted um, them to get the dice rolling out of my first-person shooter because if I got a headshot, I wanted my darn headshot. So I pretty much used VATS exclusively um, in the game um, so that I didn't have to worry about whether my headshot missed because I wasn't good enough at weapons. Um, the fun thing about it is that you can pretty much customize your FPS gameplay to whatever you prefer to play. So I had a large weapon specialist because I like to blow things off the face of the map. But you could also, 
you know, focus on other kinds of guns or you can just smack things with a crowbar, although I suspect that's not always terribly useful. But Sam. Um, that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sam has. I was oh, just, God, Sam. I thought you were pausing. <laughs> you have to hear Sam's Fallout 3 story again. S- sorry, I thought you were pausing for a second, Becky. I didn't mean to cut you off. I think you're the only one who's heard my Fallout 3 story. I'm, Maybe. Just, I've just heard it like three times, so <laughs> I'll shut up now. I was just going to ask ask, uh, you know, ask her if she had a crowbar in her story somewhere, because the crowbar sounds interesting. There's no crowbar. <laughs> I'm about to say, all I found was big guns, but what about, okay. what, what, what's your story? Okay, so I only got as far as clearing the vault. Nice. I had more fun wasting an hour with character creation. So, Scott decided he wanted me to play Fallout 3. I said, fine, I'll play it. I'm not really into Western RPGs, but, you know, I'll give anything a shot. So I was playing with the character creator, and, like, the first thing it does is say, pick your name. So I'm like, hmm, I'm going to name him Precious. So I start building Precious, and more and more, it slowly starts to turn into a... Uh, a moment of realization of oh my god he looks like Enrique Enrique Iglesias plus the mole and Scott looks at me and he goes did you just make Enrique Iglesias and I was like I didn't mean to <laughs> so does that excuse it pretty... <laughs> well you subconsciously was... wanted to see Enrique Iglesias didn't you see I was just excited because there was the option to make the character Hispanic and I saw that and I was like done he's going to be Hispanic I didn't realize, like, when I was building the character that he looked like Enrique, and then I started singing that stupid song of his, you can be my hero, baby, sort of deal, and I was like, I can't play this game anymore. I just made a monster. <laughs> well, I made I made Tank Girl, and she actually looked quite a bit like Tank Girl, so I had a good time with that. The character creation is always fun in those Bethesda games. Ew, to see Pamela Anderson? Dude, not the movie. Oh, sorry, sorry, I'm... I keep confusing barbed wire and tank girl because the nostalgia. Yeah, I was gonna say. Wait a minute, that wasn't Pamela Anderson in that movie either. It was a decent movie. Let's <laughs> say the tank girl right, movie was right, good. Lori barbed Petty wire and Pamela was Anderson bad. are very different. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, get it right, Jooms. <laughs> Babe Candy versus fake boobs. <laughs> get it right. I think what this means is that Tom should tell us what he thought about Fallout Three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really liked it. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's fun. I'm I my one experience that I guess might be remotely interesting is um when you're first in the vault, I realized that you can pretty much kill anybody because I accidentally um you're saving a girl or something, and I think I beat her up or or I or I beat up her father. I killed her father, or I did, but I didn't mean to, and I couldn't reload or something. Something Aww. like that happened. But I did like how you could just go through just killing anybody you want. So much freedom in that game, so much to do. But I'm looking forward to the the hardcore mode in the New Vegas, which comes out tonight or tomorrow, for the true, <laughs> the true apocalyptic wasteland experience. Yeah. Just to add to that, Tom, just because you know I agree with you on that, even though I didn't get very far. I remember I accidentally killed. Um, what's the guy's name, the, the douchebag guy who hates you at the beginning of Fallout 3? I don't remember his name, but I accidentally killed his mom, and then he started chasing me in the vault because I killed his mom, even though it was completely by accident. And I remember I was like, oh, this is so horrible. I'm such a horrible person. Scott's like, yeah, you're a jerk. 
You killed his mom. <laughs> you could later you can blow up an entire town with a nuclear bomb, so you know. Yeah, Scott told me that. I'm pretty sure if I was to play Fallout 3 again at some point, I probably will accidentally do that too. And it'll be an accident because that's how Western RPGs seem to roll with me. <laughs> Tom, being the hardcore Fallout 3 boy, did did you get a chance to play with through the expansions? Um, how did I become <laughs> the hardcore Fallout 3 boy? Uh, actually, no, I I didn't. I didn't even play the expansions. Typically, I just get finished with a game and I just I played it for a long time but I was just finished with it so I moved on anybody anybody trying the downloadable content guess not so the reason why I ask is for for our audience out there if you're interested in picking up Fallout 3 for let's say the PlayStation 3 those those guys are pretty cheap you can get that for like 10 bucks but there is the game of the year edition which would include uh, all or most of the uh, downloadable expansion packs at this point and uh, that one goes for a little bit more around 35 bucks give or take so I mean it sounds like I mean you know Fallout 3 is really really a beefy title all and on its own uh, though if you're really a completionist you'll probably feel better getting off the expansions especially since the the ending on the original by itself is just a little disappointing so check it out and while you guys are on there shopping we're going to take a few minutes because we got some extreme things to talk about and we need to power we need to gulp down some power drinks or something we'll be right back got another quadrilogy of games on the docket for our main segment today. You know, I think the word for that is tetralogy, only Fox's marketing department forgot that it knew that word existed and came up with its own, which is stupid. But fine. You want to call it quadrilogy? Go ahead, I guess. I do, because I can't remember that other word you just said. Too many syllables. And we're going to kick it off. It has the same number of syllables. Sure. You know, we're going to start off by talking about a word that doesn't have too many syllables. Grandia, the very first one, came out on the PlayStation here in North America, September 30th, 1999. Developed by Game Arts, published by Sony Entertainment of America. This is a game. It came out on the Saturn, though, in 1997, and that is how I played it. Ah, and um, but that was the Japanese, right? Was there a North American Saturn release? Of course not, because Sega of America hated everyone and wanted to deny them the best version of the game so that we got shafted by being forced to play the one that uh, has the bugs and crashes, as many people will attest. I figured as much. And this is <laughs> this is a console single-player RPG experience for your PlayStation 1, or if you're in the Japanese, your Sega Saturn. Um, so... And it's also out on the PlayStation Network, I think. I think I remember yep. seeing it there at one point. So it it's is there. You can download that bed baby. Probably it's only around five or ten bucks, uh, which means you could probably also play it on your PSP. So let's let's talk about this. Who wants to kick this one off? 
Me. Now I go, go me. <laughs> okay, like most of my stories seem to start, I played Grandia when I was probably about 11 or 12. Um, it was a game that my mother randomly purchased for me. I didn't really know anything about it. She just saw the box and was like, this looks really cute and very slice of life. You know, and I tend to like games that are like that. I adore the first Grandia game. Like, totes adore it. I still consider it one of my favorite games. Um, mostly because it is a very lighthearted game. It's about a, a boy named Justin who, you know, he inherits a magic stone that leads him on a journey to uncover the mysteries of a lost civilization. That's, like, the cookie-cutter version of the plot. But truthfully, I mean, Justin as a character, you know... I connected a lot with him, even though most people find him really irritating. I don't know why I didn't fall into that camp, probably because he's just such a very ideal hero. Everything with him is that attitude of, I can do it, I can do anything if I put my mind to it. And yeah, that's probably also one of his biggest flaws as a character. But, you know, he was a lot of fun. And the adventure that he goes on with, you know, his partner Sue and her really awesome puffy friend there um i mean it's it's such a fun adventure and especially at the i think i think why i liked it so much though is also because of the age i was playing it at like i could relate kind of to what was going on in the story even though it wasn't like i was going on a grand adventure to uncover a mystic civilization it was just more of that whole ideal of being young and wanting to discover things on your own um it's a very romantic sort of game and not to mention i mean it has a really cute love story. Like, most people know when I play an RPG, if there's a really cute love story, like, I'm all over that. And it makes me a total girly girl, and I know that, but the whole Justin Fina romance is adorable. It starts out so funny, but it's so cute. And that's pretty much all I'm going to say on it for the moment. Yes, I remember a scene where Fina is almost going to marry someone else, and they have to storm the church in order to stop that. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that game. I Grandia is my favorite. The first one's my favorite of the three. So I, I like the uh the characters the best in this one. You know, the character designs are fun, even though it's, you know, kind of really low res. It's still the story's kind of the the best part about the game. How old is Sue? Because I think she's like seven. Uh it's yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's kinda weird that a seven year old is like killing you know, humanoid trees. Well, some seven-year-olds just mature earlier, I guess. Now, That's true. In, in contrast to, and not to discount what y'all are saying, but in contrast to that, um, for me, the, the battle system was the big, huge draw. I've been playing, you know, as I often say, I've been playing RPGs, you know, since the, the Commodore days and whatnot, but uh, a lot of the console RPGs, by the time I got through uh, Final Fantasy VII, were starting to feel a bit uh, repetitious and a bit, uh, you know, a bit boring, you know, in my taste, as far as the combat systems goes, and those have always been the biggest draw for me in any of these games. So when I got to Grandia and you have this basically a combination of a, a real-time and strategy strategic element mixed in with a traditional Japanese uh, role-playing uh, battle system, I, I, I really took to it like a fish to water. Um, in case the audience isn't aware, basically what happens in Grandia is there's usually uh, some sort of little timeline in the battle to show you where every character's at as far as their progression goes towards their next turn. 
and the little head symbols showing each of the characters will go towards a place where they'll say act and that or something where they can basically make a decision. So once that character hits that line, if it's your character, your character will be able to make a decision. If it's an enemy character, he'll make a decision. And then there's another space, uh, a yellow space, where uh, the character is actually getting ready to perform that action. So if it's a light attack, the character zips right across and takes that action pretty quick. But if he's cast, if he or she is casting a spell, it may take him a good five seconds to get all the way across there. And those five seconds make a world of difference. Because if an enemy hits you with the right type of attack or a hard attack, during those five seconds, uh, then or is it a lie attack? I can never remember. But that can that can actually cancel his 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 summoning or whatever have you, knock him way back, and that can put you at a huge disadvantage uh, for a few moments. And it's a, using it. You can do it to the enemy too. Yeah, you can do it to the enemy too. And using and abusing this system is key to getting the upper hand in some of the tougher battles. Um, and, and it's just absolutely a, a ton of fun. Um, when you're when, and there's a there's a big bit of, a little bit of poker in here because it's risk versus reward as you as it comes up to your character's decision and you see if the enemy's in the middle of an action you take a look at what he's casting come here at the first ground he'll let you actually see what the enemy was about to do um, like some of the later ones but you could actually see what the enemy was going to do and then decide whether or not it's worth worth risking trying to cancel his attack or risk starting your own heart attack or just go for a quick lie attack there was decisions that had to be made and every almost e even in some of the random or easier battles or whatever have you I found myself thinking you know pretty hard and using some risk versus reward thought processes to get the most out of that particular battle okay for the first grandia I would like this one, every action you use, every type of action accrues experience slightly differently so that you can power up each type of magic, each type of skill you have differently. And you learn certain skills with each different type of magic and whatnot. And this was just so addicting to me that I tried to power everyone up pretty close to their max. And I spent almost 100 hours with this game. Most of that spent in combat because... I, I usually didn't kill things immediately. I wanted to use different moves to power everything up before I ended the fight. Mm. And the result of that was that when I finally took on the final boss, uh, it died within five minutes because I was so strong that it posed no challenge whatsoever. So I guess the moral of the story is if you like Grandia that much and you power yourself up to an insane degree, then you have, in fact, broken the game. But there are worse things to do. Grandia is one of those few games where I would have enjoyed kind of like the Disgaea optional content at the end for fully, you know, buff characters that just enjoy, you know, playing the battle system and trying to get the most out of it. I, I've the, There's been these optional dungeons in many of the RPGs I've played, but very rarely have I ever felt compelled to actually do a any more than stick my big toe into them. Okay, Tom. Yeah, Tom. I was just going to say, um, the best part of the leveling system is that if you actually leveled your character's elements up to the top level, you actually got um, like a maximum level spell for some of them. Like if you if you brought everything to level 99, that's one of my favorite. Like sometimes, like in Final Fantasy, if, if you level up to level 99, like Final Fantasy VI, you wouldn't necessarily get anything, but this one actually rewarded you, which I thought was pretty cool, even though it took forever, especially if you were trying to level up Earth or something. I didn't remember that or know that. That's pretty cool. Well, Paul, you spoke briefly on the game. Let's hear further thoughts from you. So I think one of my favorite parts about the battle system in this one is, you know, the leveling up of abilities and spells. And I can't remember, does this one have mana eggs or is that introduced in the second one? I think that's second the one. second one, yeah. Okay. 
This one, oh. you well, you, you collect the eggs in the field, and then you use them to buy elements for each individual character. Oh, okay. That's how that one went. Um, I didn't like that so much in this one. I like the way they did it in the later games. Um, but, yeah, the battles were fun. Leveling up and powering up the character abilities were great, because I always like doing that in you know, a lot of the different games. So I, this is my favorite, because the mix of the story... And the battle system just, you know, make it fun. And the voices I... were <laughs> oh, yeah. in battle. Like, oh, okay. oh, wind, just like a tornado. I played the Saturn version, so I did not hear these voices except through audio atrocities, which is where some of them definitely belong. <laughs> oh, they're bad. This is another oh. thing that happens when you let Sony translate, I understand. Oh, the voice acting in this game is horrendous. They're just yeah. the voices are just funny in battle. It's like they're like, I'm gonna burn you with a hundred million degrees. <laughs> That's in all of them, so it's comically bad, but it gets kind of annoying after like the five hundredth time you've heard it. Yeah, I will say that from what I've heard, this one is uh well, it pretty much justifies my lack of faith in Sony to translate voice acting well. So sounds like a pretty pretty fun uh pretty fun game across the board. Is there something else you want to add to this, Sam? There's one scene in Grandia that I absolutely adore that I have to bring up, especially for people who haven't played this game. I don't know how many people know that Grandia is actually a pretty perverted game. <laughs> There's a scene in the game where Justin is hiding in the vents and he's in I think it's like General Ball's castle or something, but uh, one thing I loved is there's a scene where he's in the vents, and he looks into the ventilation system, and he sees Nana, Saki, Mio, General Ball's lieutenants, and they're changing, and they're having some conversation about how General Lean is, you know, she's like, oh, she does everything for Colonel Mullen, and, you know, she follows him like a lap dog, and why doesn't Colonel Mullen love us? And they're totally doing this all in their panties, and Justin, of course, is staring at them and going like, ooh, hot girls, this is so awesome. Um, yeah, I remember that boy. scene. <laughs> <laughs> he was indeed a 14-year-old boy. And oh, hey, we have, a new, a way, we have a new contestant on the RPG Backtrack, don't we? Indeed we do. Introducing Anna-Marie Newfield! Yay! Is it I, nap time yet? Uh, and only I, if you think talking about Justin peeping in on Nanasaki and Mio is sleep-inducing. Oh, uh, getting there. But no, I think I can stay awake during that. <sighs> Sexy perverted times. Mm-hmm. The game also has bestiality. Bestiality. Chase, yes. <laughs> you large muscular women uh, fall in love with cow people. So it's yes. a little strange. Nothing wrong with a little beef, Kay. Kay. Hey, hey. <laughs> I guess not. I don't know where you live, but... For the horde! Oh, I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say. Oh, goodness gracious. Anna, did you, did you have anything you want to contribute to the Grandia 1 discussion that we're having here, aside from beefcake on the side? I wish it wasn't buggy. Hmm. 
what yes. were some of the bugs in the first one? Because I never encountered um, any. Crashing. I didn't crashing is the big one. See, this, and this is the thing, as I talk to people, it's like my Grandia on the PlayStation crashed like five times. I was so sick of it, I gave up on it. Particularly in one spot, and I, I don't remember a ton of details. I just remember it was raining or blue in some fashion in that particular level, and it crashed like three times. And I was just like, oh, it crashed three times while I was moving through that section. And then, yeah, I was just screwed after that. So my problem with the game was that I couldn't play it. Oh, that's a good problem. Which, like, which was really disappointing because, I mean, poo poo rah rah. <laughs> Come on, oh, no. that's awesome! That was the Ready? best thing ever. Go! <laughs> well, hopefully the, the the one that you can get on the PlayStation Network has been has squished all those little bugs that, and. See, and this is what concerns me. It's like, well, you know, this would be the type of game that I would pick up and play on my PSP, but I'm so concerned that it's the same build as the PlayStation one, as opposed to the it's Saturn originally, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. that is. Mm-hmm. And I, it is. Like, I had no problems whatsoever. Yeah, like I'd I'd be so concerned that what's on the PSN is the PlayStation build that I'm sort of Ugh. Anna, it is, by okay. the way. So if you're worried that there's the possibility of getting the crashes, you probably yeah. don't want that version. Mind you, I mean I never had that problem playing it. So I'm always kinda of surprised when I hear that people actually had crashes in the game. At the same but I time I must get very lucky. I don't know. <laughs> right. At the same time, if you, you know, whip up, you know, your browser of choice and type in Grandia 1 crashes, like, you get 80 bazillion hits about this. I mean, I'm not the only one here. I'm not insane. I'm not crazy. Oh, no. I, I don't doubt it. I just, I know for me, it, it never happened to me. I know. It so. seems to be just from talking with people about it, either it happens a whole bunch to them, or it was like, what are you talking about? Grandia crashed? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Maybe maybe it was an issue with the the disc maybe readability on the PlayStation One and wasn't exactly the the most sturdy thing in the world and maybe that contributed to it maybe. Um, I'm sorry, you're like totally reversing the positions this should be. The copyright protection on most Saturn games is on the outer rim. The copyright protection on PlayStation games is on the inner rim. It's the thing that makes sure it plays. Because if that area is damaged, you basically can't play the disc. Mm. Just for some old-fashioned... Uh, I, I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> mm. Well, one thing's okay. for sure. You know, with the power of the Internet, it should be easy for people to go and check out You know, some of the game forums and see if they're having those issues now with the PSP version. Um, you know, and how, you know, because I could, you know, if there was problems in the PlayStation 1 version, Lord only knows how much fun those little critters, bugs, and viruses would have on a PSP. So, because that's just running through an emulation of some sort. So, if there's some problems, that could be multiplied. All right, now, Sam, perhaps you can tell us how long would you say the first Grandia is? For me, I remember beating it at about 45 hours. Okay. Wow, that's a good memory. It, I've heard people have beaten it at around 20 to 25, but I know I took a lot longer because I did a lot of grinding. Yeah, you know, I, I think that the game could actually be beaten in around 28.5 hours. I did a study. Gee, thanks, Phil. <laughs> yeah, no problem. That's what I'm here for, moral support. That was a very accurate number. Thank you. 
My study was not, pretty not thorough. Around tw- not around 20.55 hours, just 20.5. What, what's your experience, Mike? Uh, well, since I haven't tried to rush through the thing, I can't really say, but I did take about 96 hours. Wow. <laughs> Admittedly, I was taking my time, killing everything, doing it slowly. That could take my that could draw my time out quite a bit. That would do it. Well, <laughs> oh, and Sam, we haven't even talked about our main antagonist, well, sort of, General Ball. He had a really horrible voice. <laughs> This is true. If you go to Audio Atrocities, you will hear him speak more than once, and it is one of those gloriously awful moments. His name is seriously General Ball? Oh, yeah. B-A-A-L. Yeah, but... Oh, okay. Since we're pronouncing it without spelling it, then, yeah, it sounds pretty silly. (laughs) Everyone had pretty cheesy names in this game. He was just the really special person. (laughs) Yes, he was the guy who thought that he could control Gaia by putting it into his body, right? And then that went really wrong. And then he mutated, and it got scary. Hey, Sam. Do you remember when we were little kids and there was that uh, little song on TVO, Don't You Put It In Your Mouth? Yes. It just comes to mind now, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, God. You hate me right now. And now you know. I love well, you, <laughs> Before so, I have Paul, to... Uh, uh, go anything ahead. Anything about the other characters that springs to mind for you? I know we've already talked about how awesome the combat is, which is justifiable. Um, the voice acting is awful, but we've already discussed that. Um, I like the character designs. I thought they were very well done and even fairly detailed for you know a PS1 Saturn game. Yeah, this one, I remember looking at an EGM issue in 98, and they were sure that it would not come out here because the PS1 and the Saturn are pretty difficult to port between. And look what happened when Game Arts ported it anyway. But this was one of the games that it recommended you import, even though you probably won't understand the story because it's just worth it, and I can't argue. Nice, nice. Okay, I guess it's time for us to move on to Grandia 2, which features... I know Maxstorm really likes Ryudo's sarcasm, and maybe someone else can fill in just how sarcastic Ryudo can be. Well, before we jump on that, let's do our general uh, disclaimer here. Grandia 2 was developed by Game Arts and published by Sega and Enix. It was released for the Dreamcast in North America on December 6, 2000, and on the PlayStation 2, January 28, 2002, as well as Windows, March 10, 2002. This is a single-player console RPG experience, rated T for teens. <laughs> and All right, right. Wow. the details. Hey, Becky wants to say something. Let's let her. Oh, do I? <laughs> well, I, thought, I, thought it, I thought it was pretty cool that Ryudo was, was so sarcastic, but actually my favorite character was Sky, his falcon. <laughs> yeah, a talking falcon who is pretty wise for the most part. I liked him. He's also fairly sarcastic, but he's fairly he's sarcastic in the moral compass kind of way. I I mean I I liked Grandia too. It's the only Grandia game I've played. Um, I played it on the PS2, which apparently makes uh, Mike sorry for me, um, but well, I didn't know any better. Talk about that. Right, like, I I inherited it from my husband when, when I moved up here. So. <laughs> 
Did you have any problems with that? Because I had the wor- I played it on my PS3, but it had really terrible slowdown, which kind of, you know, yep. made it a pain to play. Oh yeah, I had the exact same issues. It was choppy, okay. choppy, 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 and I was playing it on PS2. Hmm. See, there's this little secret which uh, you may not have known, and certainly Game Arts appears not to have known it. The Dreamcast and the PS2, they're not really alike. Get out! (laughs) And if you try to port a game straight from one to the other, it may not work out that well. Isn't Uh, that right, Anna? Double get out. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going off hearsay here, but I understand it has some basis in reality. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, just... Uh, you're totally out there. I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> yeah, it's just slowdown was the biggest problem. I mean, I don't, I shouldn't have to sit there for 15 seconds while something like, you know, the bird having to have a 30 second yap with me, it loads. Just no. And these technical and these technical issues, by the way, really, you know, showed up really fast on the internet as well as hit the uh, scores there because your your Dreamcast version. It had an aggregate score of about 90% from review sites, whereas the PC and the PS2 versions was hitting in the low 70s. So, in fact, Paul, Paul, did you experience any issues with the PC version? No, I, I like the PC version. I thought it was a, a port of the Dreamcast version because I had no slowdown, uh, no bugs, no freezes, you know, no graphical issues. So I thought it was a, a port of the PC version, but apparently not. But then again, PC reviewers are a lot different than uh, console reviewers when it comes to JRPGs, so that could explain the aggregate scores. Well, and also, I mean, yeah, I'm a pretty big PC player myself, and uh, results will vary, of course, depending on your PC. What works great on one PC may not work on another. I remember Civilization, uh, when Civilization Four came out, uh, everybody loved the game. Um, I actually went to several review sites and gave it a one out of ten because because that thing would not work on my computer to save my life no matter how much I played the settings. It was just an issue apparently with that game not liking the particular model of graphics card I had. But that was enough for me to be venomously spread one point zeros all over the place. Okay, we'll we'll get to the gameplay niceties of Grandia Two in a bit, but for now we need to mention the plot, which more or less has a guy who I will mention in a moment. Deciding that because Valimar, the evil god which has antagonized this world for generations, seems to be dead, he takes it upon himself to become the god, the evil god of destruction, so that humanity can have something to fear again. And who is this man? Why, he's the Pope. And let me tell you, people, <laughs> I can speak playing this in a dorm room. If you tell people, hey, I'm going to beat up the Pope now! You will get people to watch you, even if it's an RPG. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and Anna has a couple of things also about Grounded 2, it seems. Oh, just kind of cute little anecdotes. Um, Grandia 2, believe it or not, way back when we had the original set of forums, actually had its own message board. It's close at this point. But yeah, Grandia 2 conversations were popular enough that we actually set aside a whole board specifically for them. And uh, the other thing that I always found really funny, and this is is funny because this is the one thing that I remember about Grandia 2, is seeing the advertisements for it. Because it was something like, the Dreamcast version was so good, now it's on the PlayStation 2. Go go get ready for the PlayStation 2 one. I was so (laughs) mad. What? <laughs> Quote out of context. 
It was, wow. uh, I don't think it was EGM. I think it was like the official PlayStation magazine or something. No, EGM, I remember this. EGM gave the Dreamcast version three nines and then gave the PS2 version a five and said, hey, wait, I know what you're thinking. Grandia 2 is really good, right? Well, this shoddy port shames the good name of Grandia. Go play it on Dreamcast. That's pretty much what the review said. Nice. Well, I didn't know any better, and I liked the game anyway, so it was a little slow, but that was the year I was in forced unemployment because I was getting my Canadian permanent residency, so I didn't have anything better to do anyway. Hmm. All right, Tom remembers the battle system well. He's going to tell us what changed from the first one. Oh, sorry, I was on mute. Um, yeah, uh, the the most the battle system is basically the same. You still have the uh, IP action bar or whatever, and you can cancel attacks and do combos and whatnot. Um, but the main thing that changes is how you level up, because instead of for each specific attack, like leveling up your weapons or magic, you get a set amount of uh, special points and magic points, and then you can put them into whichever skill you choose, like your special moves or your magic. Uh, you also get skill books, which you can put points into, like, to add to your hit points, and you equip those skills, your hit points or your vitality or something, and you equip those skills to each individual person. So I actually liked um, the improvement there, because um, you didn't have to, like, use a defense spell over and over to improve it. You could just, you could just you know, win a battle and then choose what you wanted to level up. Did anybody else find that they liked it better, or... Like I remember liking that a lot, yeah. This was actually the first Grandia I played, and particularly when you put it into hit points, you could raise people's total hit points by almost double, which was really handy when bosses started to bust out attacks that would otherwise destroy you utterly. Uh, and I seem to remember, before you learn that the Pope is your true adversary, you have to fight pieces of Valmar, and some of them are kind of disgusting and freaky. The, the yes. eye of Valmar is kind of disturbing the way it, so, it starts to open its eye, close it again, and then opens fully. Or the, well, the monster of Valmar. That was the monster the designs in, in general are, I found them to be pretty awful in Grandia throughout the whole series. I think it, it's like there's so many like fishmen for some reason. <laughs> they're obsessed with fishmen, and they're just the monsters are all really gross. I guess that works when you're um, modeling the the pieces of a demon, like his eyes and his tongue and whatnot. But and I found the monster design in general to be pretty bad. Maybe it's just really humid. That's the only reason fishmen would be running around. Although then I saw them in a desert area in Grandia Three, so that strikes my <laughs> explanation. Those are some sad-ass fishmen. Yeah, maybe that's why they're so angry with me and wanting to kill me. Uh-uh. Yeah. I've, the, the combat system, though, in general, was, was quite fun. Um, it was sort of a little bit, mostly turn-based, but a little bit of time management type stuff in there. I thought it was a good time. Yeah, that's what you get from pretty much all the Grandias. They never tinker too much with what already worked really well. I like what they did with the spell effects also. They sort of like put in like um anime self us uh, like anime scenes instead of just like three D modeled effects. Like um you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I remember the uh, the three D the anime effect of a burn strike where a whole bunch of firebirds smash into the enemy and whatnot. That's yeah, I like that. I thought it was a little bit different. I I've never really seen that done before. It wasn't with every effect, but I thought that was cool. 
Oh yeah, there is one aspect I should probably mention. Um, Elena is your main female protagonist. Well, I'll let someone else touch on Elena and Millennia because that's fairly complicated. But uh, <laughs> apparently, Noriyuki Iwadare, when he came, needed to compose something for her to sing, decided that Japanese wouldn't do it. He had to come up with something that would sound really out there for pretty much everyone. And he came up with a song in Portuguese, of all things. So unless you live in Brazil or Portugal, this is probably not going to be comprehensible on the first listen. Anybody else remember the song? Nope? Okay. Just me. <laughs> I can't really comment on that. I haven't played this particular one myself. Becky, do you remember it? The song? No. Oh. But I, it was a few years ago. It was a vocal number, so I thought that would lodge better in your head than non-vocal stuff. <laughs> it's true. I usually, I, I do remember her singing, but I, I didn't notice whether or not I understood the language involved. <laughs> Well, that, it was Portuguese, so there you go. So were there major enhancements to the core battle mechanics themselves? I know you say they didn't tinker with it with the formula too much, but what, were there any substantial changes to the core mechanics? Well, instead of by using your moves to get them stronger, you pumped the special skill points into them to make them stronger. That's the major change I remember, and Tom touched on the rest, I think. I think it gave you a visual effect when an enemy was actually charging some type of spell. I'm not sure if that was in the first game, but that also carried over into the third game. So it was easier to tell who you should target to, for a cancel. Yeah, they had that thick glowy effect. Yep. We haven't heard you talk much, Paul. Um, this one, I don't remember a whole lot. It's been eight years since I've played it. Um... So, I remember the mana eggs, and that's really... Like, I can't really remember the plot at all. So, I just remember the battle system and, and grinding a lot of it during... Uh, I was watching baseball or something in my apartment in college, so... That's what I remember for the most part about this game. So, you don't remember beating the crap out of the Pope? Vaguely, I think... <laughs> Because didn't they capture one of your party members or something and try to use her, or was that a different game? Uh, sort of, kind of. Hey, who wants to feel the Elena Millennia question? <laughs> well, other than them being kind of the same person? Kind of, but not really, so... Yeah, you seem to remember something about it. <laughs> That's mostly what I remember, is that... <laughs> It, it, it starts getting suspicious when you never see them at the same time. Except at the end, they aren't the same person anymore. I never quite understood how that worked, but that was cool, I guess. My, my, my um, what should we call it? Can't think of the word. Um, I, I never actually got to the very, very end. I think I got close to it, but the one problem with the game is that the end part really, really drags out. And you end up running through dungeon and dungeon and dungeon and dungeon and dungeon. And they it was like one of those movies that goes on about 45 minutes after it should have ended. Well, let's see. Oh, yeah, I do remember Millennia being voiced by the voice of the Little Mermaid. <laughs> and Ryudo was um, Liquid Snake from Metal Gear Solid and Leonardo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and, uh, and What's-His-Face from Akira. Because they have yeah. to find their work wherever they can get it. 
Well, yeah, I'm just amazed that he kept his character steady, that he never started referencing Shredder at all. That takes dedication, Cam Clark. Yeah, Grandia has very interesting voice actors, if you actually... Well, especially in Extreme, but... Um, I was going to say, well, we'll get into that next game, too. <laughs> yeah, in, in 3, the main character is a Power Ranger. Sorry, I revealed it Yuki. early. Oh, spoilers! Yuki's voiced by Johnny Young Bosch. Screw being a Power Ranger. He was Superman. He was so hot. He still is hot. <laughs> this is all so, like yeah, a yeah. tribute. <laughs> we, we certainly haven't done any spoilers for Grandia 2, like the fact that the Pope is the big bad guy and Elena and Millennia are the same person, and somebody dies! Oh! Not Merrick! No! Because when Merrick dies, you have to get Rowan back, and Rowan looks like he like he's five, and instead he's a king. What is going on here? Sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, Rowan then- is supposed to be 14, and he looks five. I always thought it was, like, was more like eight to ten, but you know. He's got some great jean shorts, though, <laughs> if you look closely. I tried. I, I tried to avoid looking closely. If he's fourteen, do you really want to look closely? Oh. Well, when he was casting a spell, I—I I mean, I had no choice. It, it zoomed <laughs> in on him. That's your excuse, and you're sticking to it. That's right. One thing that was fun with the characters was the uh, little. They would they would sit down for dinner sometimes and just have silly conversations. I thought that was a pretty cool way to to build up the characters and then the party and interactions and stuff like that. That happens in one and three too. Yeah. So it so sounds. I haven't told you that Merrick the Beast Man dies and you have to get Rowan back. Uh, what other spoilers are there for me to drop? Okay, having done that, I guess it's time to be extreme. <laughs> Extreme. Extreme. Let's go straight to the X. Well, Phil, Phil, it seems that Becky is not going to be extreme with us. She's just not extreme enough to stay on the podcast. That's the problem. I moved from California to the upper Midwest and then Canada. That's like the antithesis of extreme. Yeah, she's (laughs) anti-extreme. Anyway, I gotta go, guys, so have a good time with the rest of the podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. Night, Becky. Hopefully you Night. will not be plagued by dreams Bye. of extremeness. So, I really won't. Grandia Extreme is a single-player role-playing experience developed by Game Arts, published by Enix on the PlayStation 2, released here in North America September 30th, 2002. Let's talk about Extreme. Anna, take it away. Ooh, ooh, me, me, me. Oh, you already picked me. So, Grandia Extreme. Extreme! Sorry. Is is the game that I love and everyone around me scratches their head because it is a terrible, terrible, terrible game and I still love it for all of its terribleness. Because it's extreme. Um, Because it's extreme! No. I mean, Grandia... I'm sorry. Do you remember the beginning of this game and how Evan is talking about how I'm never going to work for the army. I hate the army. And then he gets kidnapped by the army. Within and like he's... five minutes, he's joined the army. Yeah. Yep. So and they the beat plot the crap of the game, out of him. Yeah, the plot of the game um, has as much depth as a pie tin. Okay, so you get about 
two hours of story through a 40-hour game. And Evan is a ranger, and he can open geogates. And the army says, we want you! And he says, no. And the army says, we want you, and you don't have a choice in this. And, of course, the icing on the cake is the fact that the commander of this particular section of the army is the arch-rival that Evan grew up with and doesn't like. And that particular malice is never really explained. Evan just likes throwing duty face comments at him, and the general sort of stands there stalwartly and takes it. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, beyond the, the fact that Evan can Hamill, open... Which makes him cool. Yeah, actually, I'll get into all the voice acting in a little bit, because okay. there's I'm, some I'm excellent sorry. commentary I'll on it. Yeah, so, you know, that that's pretty much the extent of the story, is uh, Evan opens Geogates, and uh, there's not a ton more than that. There's only uh, two cities through the game that you move between, and so there's there's really no NPCs to interact with. You get, like, little story snippets uh, here and there as you go along. But, um, yeah, play it for the combat system, because you're not playing it for the story. But this game had so much hype when it was coming out, because it had three huge, huge names. And, I mean, this is, you know, a while ago, so it was uh, Lisa Loeb, uh, who's a singer, for those not familiar. Uh, Dean Kane, and he did play a Power Ranger. Um, he did also play a Superman. Um, and then Mark Hamill, and of course, he's, well, Luke Skywalker. And, uh... <clears throat> hey, you know what all those guys have in common, right? They're extreme! They're extreme! <laughs> and I mean, I feel sort of bad, because, I mean, Mark Hamill is big. He does tons of voice acting, so he his his stuff was okay. I mean, if a little stiff, and I mean, part of that was just his character was stiff. And I feel like Lisa Loeb did okay. I actually was surprised because I mean, she's a singer; she doesn't do voice acting. Um, but Dean Kane, I, I thought she was okay too. D- but Dean Kane sucked. He, his his part was pretty atrocious. And again, I feel like part of that might be the character more than anything because Evan is a whiny little turd <laughs> Evan just whines he pisses and moans and whines and he will not shut up and so you have to wonder if part of your irritation is that Dean Kane's voice acting is bad or you just don't like the character because he's whiny but yeah the, the voice <laughs> acting was so touted and was did not <laughs> come up to uh, did not come up to expectations well, Anna, wouldn't you say that Dean Cain was okay next to the no-names who did the other characters? Mm, that's true. Yeah. Like, uh, whatever, whoever the voice actress for Miam was, or... Just made me want to stab my ears with toothpicks? Yeah. Yep. The good news was, is that the music was extreme! It was extreme! Awesome. So, I, I acquired an OST over the years, and I quite like it. I don't know if it's an official one or not, or if it's just a bunch of Grandia songs like I have for Dragon Force. <laughs> so yeah, incredibly good music. Um, very uh, very 80s, very retro. So if you didn't like... Um, were they still hair bands in the early 80s? If you didn't like hair bands, then you're not going to like this. <laughs> so the... Pro- and, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to jump back to plot for a second. The, the problem... The other problem with the plot is, other than the fact that it's, you know, horrifically shallow, is it's every damn cliche in the RPG book. It's like, oh, it's totally safe to get on the boat. Do, do, do. Hmm. You know, do, do you sort of get what I'm talking about? I'm trying, I'm casting around. Oh, sorry, Paul. 
I was just going to say the Kraken attacks after you get on the boat because otherwise it wouldn't be a cliched game. I'm just trying to think of uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the other cliches. Oh yeah, so obviously there's the childhood rivalry, never fully explained. Um, there is the nasty military empire that is bent on taking over the world. Dun dun dun. Extreme. An extreme military move. The childhood rival. Led by the childhood rival, no doubt, no less. And. Uh, oh yeah, uh, there's a. Uh, the the world is in jeopardy, and the only way to save it is by sealing this certain number of uh, elemental. Uh, and naturally, that is the goal of the plucky young hero. Who is doing this solely to save the world and not for his own benefit or anybody else's? <clears throat> da, da, da. <laughs> but yeah, um, the the other sort of detraction that I think people don't really dig about Grandia Extreme is um, you basically go through the game and you have four, five, four dungeons, one for each element. And you're like, sweet, it's 20 hours. I totally just finished this game. No! You have to go back through each dungeon backwards now. That's extreme. <laughs> extreme. But you get good stuff if you do it, and if you try to go straight into the next dungeon, you will most likely feel a lot of pain. You will die. <laughs> really? Like, there's just no arguing this. It's like, yeah, just go back to all of the other dungeons, and then go to the final dungeon. Sorry, we know it's a 15-hour side trip, but you're okay with that, right? Right? Yeah, because that's extreme. So, we should talk about the combat. Yeah. Oh, and we should also mention that once you finish those first four dungeons, the next dungeon, which you have to go through in order to reach any more dungeons, is randomly generated, which everyone loves, right? Oh, that's my favorite part. <laughs> you could feel the soft beating heart in my chest going, random dungeon, random dungeon. Mm-hmm. Your heart says interesting things. You might want to get to a specialist on that. I know! Let me tell you, putting a stethoscope, stethoscope to my chest is, an, is extreme on a normal extreme. day. Extreme. Sam, but you yes. need to be turning in with how extreme this is. Hey, kids. Always recycle. To the extreme! Extreme! That's all I've got. <laughs> okay, Paul, talk to us about how extreme it is, the combat. Well, there's lots of it, and that's really the only good part about the game, I guess. <laughs> that and Lisa Loeb. So you kill lots of things. Um, there's mana eggs. There's super secret things that take forever to find. And lots of grinding to get the best weapons in the game. And the super randomly fun generated dungeon that's a lot of levels deep. Um, and you can only exit every ten levels. And you can only save every ten levels. Oh, so much fun. <laughs> Sounds douchey. Oh, yeah. We should probably explain how the mana egg system works here. I'll do it if if nobody else wants to. Go for it. Nobody else wants to. All right. So each character has six slots, which you can use for either skill books, which enhance uh, some kind of the combat, like you get stronger against uh, fishmen or ghosts, whatnot, and, or for magic. And magic is in the form of eggs, which have their own magic points. No matter how leveled you are, the egg will always have the same magic points. Uh, 
You get stronger eggs by fusing them together. You fuse two level ones to make a level two. You fuse two level twos to make a level four. And from there, it just gets longer and longer. And if you want the best eggs, you're probably looking at, oh, what was it? 15 or 16 eggs or so that it'll take to get there. And did I mention that you'll get maybe two or three, maybe four each run through a dungeon? Yeah, you're going to be going after eggs a lot. Happy eggs. I just remember jumping back into a dungeon at one point specifically to get an egg or two. Yep, because certain dungeons only drop certain eggs. Correct. Don't you love it? Can I interject? You may. Okay. This sounds like the most douchey game ever. <laughs> you know, it's one of those it things really that it's a terrible game, but I think it's fun. <laughs> oh yeah, and if I haven't mentioned, the graphics were crap. Yeah, they look recycled yeah. straight out of Grandia 2 for the most part. In fact, some of the enemies are straight out of Grandia 2. The main character runs like he left a hanger in his shirt, and he's <laughs> leaning forward at the same time. Very strange. And there's these, like, weird relics in all of the cities that look like big wheels. Does anyone ever figure out what is up with those? No? no? It's okay. extreme. It's extreme! <laughs> it's the most extreme wheels ever. People are going to kill well, us for this one. Them. Something else that was extreme was how it took the um, IP gauge and it made it a circle instead of a line. I found that. I love the circle thing. The circle was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't know you what got it was used to it. Versus, versus line and circle, but I found that the circle was so much easier for me to read and anticipate what I needed to do. Because I remember huh. in Grandia 1 and 2, I basically... <laughs> delays? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> in Grandia Extreme, I was like, delay, delay, delay. <laughs> you don't get any attacks. Oh, yeah, this one also has the system of SP for your for your moves, where you start with none when you go into a dungeon, and you get it by hitting enemies or being hit. Yay? Yeah. <laughs> it worked, I guess, for this game. <laughs> have we hey, talked we about the fish dog the... chicken? Which one? The game, it introduced fish dog chickens to the Grandia series. Oh, yes. The first that. time. There's a chicken walking around that has the face of a fish, and when you talk to it, it barks like a dog, which I think is also very extreme. Hey, this yeah. is extreme genetic manipulation, man. Yeah, one of the extreme. most extreme subjects in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yes, we haven't mentioned. I'm sure Anna remembers the evil Quan Li. <laughs> Don't you? Wait, who? Uh, remember how Kreutz is really not the final enemy because Quan Li. Ah, uh, yes, that was the last cliche I always forget about. Here's the last boss. Psych. <laughs> oh, but we haven't. And mentioned the other, Quan the Lee's. other interesting thing is the final boss is like, it doesn't matter how leveled you are, really, he's still hard. Hard, 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 hard. Like, I I brought, like, an, a ridiculous amount of healing items. And I think I walked in with, like, 30 resurrections and came out with two. <laughs> he's hard. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with Quan Lee, probably because I went through the second 
part of his random dungeon multiple times looking for good stuff, and I was level 50 by the time I got through that. Uh, oh, wow. No, I think I was, like, low 40s. Low to um, mid 40s. Okay. And in Grand well, Extreme, got... one level is a big deal. Yeah. yeah it takes a bit. Oh, yeah. I think I was levels, like, 75 when I beat the game. What? Wow. Did you take 200 hours? Um, like 137. Dang. My roommate and I played it in college, so he'd go to class, and then I'd play, and then he'd come back, and I'd go to class, and he'd play. So we we had we 100% of this game. We had, like, every item, every mana egg, every weapon. It was ridiculous. Holy cow, Paul. Now that is extreme. We had to live up he's... to the namesake. You are the you... most extreme person here. I was about to say, you look up Extreme on Wikipedia, and there's Paul and his friend playing Grandi Extreme. Wow. Are we all extremed out, Mike? Uh, I was going to say that Quan Lee has a really stupid voice, sounds like a girl who's just been uh, laced on Novocaine or something, but um, nope, that's already been covered by how universally terrible the voice acting is, except for the people who we know. Well, and since let's... we know that, it's probably time to move to Grandia 3. My personal favorite, Grandia, was developed by Game Arts, published by Square Enix for the PlayStation 2, released in February 14, 2006. This is a single-player console RPG rated T for teens. So, <laughs> just I gotta throw that in there, that T for teens. You don't want the little five-year-olds out there rushing out to play Grandia 3, because the story's so cheesy it might damage their poor, impressionable brains. Um, uh, oh, you come, know, Grand... on. come on, Phil. Don't you know that when children <sighs> hear the line, you ride my back, I'll ride yours, they'll really love it? You know, I kept, uh, you know, at the beginning of the game where the main character is with his mom, who really looks like they're the same age, my brain couldn't comprehend what was really, uh, it was like, it was some kind of joke, it was just uh, going, uh, I I couldn't figure it out, because she didn't look like she was his mother, she looked like she was his sister, so, you know. She also didn't act like she was his mother. No, she didn't, and living in Utah, your mind kind of wonders, and, uh, yeah, it just... It wasn't. It wasn't oh, really good. Oh, you went there. You I went there. I'm gonna have to ampersand myself a whole bunch on this podcast. Anyway, um, there's a special word for her. It's called what? MILF. Use it. <laughs> yeah. Super hot MILF. Um, so, um, she is a super hot MILF. That doesn't exclude her from being a MILF. <laughs> so, I I honestly thought she was going to be the main female character at the beginning of the game because of the way she looked. I mean, the hot chick is usually the female lead. I just I, I can't figure out. Then I got the pointy hair ear chick. You know, regardless, the, the the story is very cliche from beginning to end. It's nothing we haven't seen before. Nothing we won't see again a hundred different times. But Grandia three brings back the Grandia formula with one essential ingredient that is like putting a good uh, like uh, the right seasoning on a steak or something and that is being able to pop bad guys way up into the freaking air I, that to me was just it was like liquid crack I just couldn't get enough of the battles I would run around and just run into enemies I hate RP you know JRPGs in the way their battle systems are grindy and slow and 
boring. Everyone has heard me rant and rant enough times here on Backtrack and on RPG Cast and in the channels uh, about everything from 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 Final Fantasy One all the way up to Dragon Quest Nine. But Grandia Three makes combat fun. Aside from using the normal stipulation of combos and light attacks and hard attacks and cancels and spell casting and whatnot, trying to balance all of that. And and I mean, you really did have to pay attention to what the enemy was doing if the enemy was going to let loose with an Armageddon attack. You needed to cancel that sucker. Yeah, it's um, it hard near the as it goes it, on. It does really start getting hard. I mean, you fight some really nasty bad guys towards the end that really require that you pay attention and make some decisions. And even and and, and even even to the point where I was even concerned about the positioning of my characters on the battlefield, which doesn't typically happen a whole lot for me in other Grandia games, but. But the fact that I could pop them up into the air and do these big aerial combos and see what altitude I can reach, <laughs> it was awesome. It was beautiful. It brings. I want to go back and play it right now. Hold on, guys. You, you go ahead and talk. I'm going to go fire it back up. <laughs> well, yeah, that was, um, that, was, that was one of the best uh, additions to the battle system. But um, I think it sort of forgot what made the Grandia 2 battle system fun, which was actually level, leveling up your skills through battling because yeah, the you only really do th- yeah you you only level up your your special skills and you can only level those up they like randomly will become more powerful up to 5 levels and it it really to me it, it lost some of what made the earlier grandias fun which was every battle mattered towards the the um, improvement of your characters but didn't you get like better items or something depending on how well the combat went or better money or something where you raided? If you another game. If you, if you did an aerial it, combo. Okay. And I think if you performed an aerial finish, I think you you had a better chance to get an item. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how it works. Yeah, I, I, and I, and I do appreciate the games that let me power level my characters and work their ways up, and 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 some of those things you guys said about the early grinding games, like Grandia One, especially. I remember that. Uh, well, I, I, it sounded like Grandia Two was even better in that respect, but. But, oh, man, all I care about is beating the crud out of things. I get some eggs, combine them. Who cared? The egg, the whole egg system and trying to power up my eggs was something I I did afterwards. And I could see that if I stuck with it and harvested enough eggs, I could combine them and unlock some, you know, killer spe- – I didn't care. I really didn't. In fact, the eggs – and, li- and actually, the storyline just kept getting in the way of me beating the ever-living daylights out of monsters who would get in my way. All I wanted to do was pop things up in the air, cancel their attacks, and just totally bash everything. And, and why in the world, I, you know, why in the world no one can come up with a game with a with a really great and big, huge Final Fantasy type of story and character development with a nice, really great original battle system like this that gives you such visual payoff for what in the hell you're doing. I, I don't know. I just, this was actually fun. I, wh- instead, what I get is Dragon Quest Nine, where it's, he hits for five damage. Critical attack for ten, oh, no, 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 Grandia boy, you critical attack somebody, they're taking a trip to the stratosphere. <laughs> that, that, that's just, that's just good times. And then so... you can, and then you can, and then, and then they'll stuck up in the air while they're up in the air. If your other guy's attack kicks in, you know, if it's his turn because he's, he, you know, it's his turn on the bar, boy, you can just keep this guy popped up in the air for a while. You get a few turns in a row. Uh, this was good times. A poor guy would just, 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 
It's it's beautiful. Brings a tear to my eye. Oh. I think hey, Phil I... likes hitting things into the air. Oh, oh, I do. I, and you did so much damage when they're up in the air. I mean, it, it was just oh, and it would keep knocking the little attack thingies back. It was it was just fun. And like you said, if you did an aerial finish, you're right. I remember, you know, if you did an aerial finish, you could get you could get better things. And I think that was one of the ways to get some of the eggs and stuff too but I didn't care about the things I, I had so much I had money if I went to the store and bought stuff I had enough money to buy stuff I didn't care about farming I just like beating things <laughs> and that's what wow. the battle system should be this is all I'm asking for out of, listen to me JRPG developers you can keep your JRPGs that's fine keep cranking them out but put some thought into the bloody battle system Honestly, come up with something original that has some sort of payoff for people. Flashy graphics, fast-moving combat, and being able to knock people in 70,000 feet in the air doesn't hurt either. Yeah, just that's all I ask for. I don't ask for much. I will I say that having lot. your moves randomly power up is kind of annoying compared to some firm means by knowing it's going to get stronger instead of relying on luck. Who? Who gets more powerful? Well, anytime you use a move in combat, there's a chance that it will uh, advance a slot in its power ranking, but only a chance. So you could use it 20 times in a row and get nothing, or you could get super lucky and have it increase three times in one fight if it's just a really special boss or something. I don't know. Plus, it was random to get new skills, so that really sucked. You could grind and grind and grind and never get a new skill, and then randomly you get two in the next battle. It yeah, sounds like, uh, what is that, Crisis Core there? Except without the fancy little wheel or whatnot? Oh, man, hearing you guys talk about that, I totally realized that I've played this game! Woohoo! <laughs> you know, once you've knocked people up in a stratosphere, it's like riding a bike. You just don't forget. Well, no, you know, that's the thing. It's... I'm like, this sounds really familiar. This sounds... Wait a minute, you can learn skills randomly. Ah, I've played this game! <laughs> I'm sorry. And you fly a plane. Uh yeah, the plane that was you crash you crash a lot of you crash the planes yeah I don't know how this guy survived so many plane crashes but you know I actually thought the same thing it's like how do you keep walking away from those things dude but as long as you can still knock people in the air I'm okay with it you know the the storyline the airplane the interaction with the other characters the gra the 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 graphics especially in the overworld were all entirely forgettable to me in fact I've already forgotten them. Yep. <laughs> it was well, the what com- did you like? What did the you combat like? system! I want right, to play it again! Air. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I will air. say that this did look a lot better than Grandia Extreme. Yeah, that the screen- hard. Yeah, that, about to say the screenshots <laughs> for Grandia Extreme really are extremely bad. <laughs> I may have set the bar low, but the game still gets over it. So we got to give it credit for getting over a low bar. Don't we? No. <laughs> no. Did we go over the story? There's a story? Let's not. Okay, I'm going to mention one thing here, which I happen to have recently played through, so it's very fresh in my head. There is a guy, or a a thing. You will see it once, briefly. Then you will see it again. It will attack you with an undead dinosaur on its side. This thing looks like a Skeksy wearing a gold mask. You will never learn anything more about it. You will fight it again after it runs away from the first fight, and you will kill it this time, and Uh bam, that was it. You saw this thing three times. You learned nothing about it except that it is, in fact, a Skeksy wearing a golden mask, and that's it. You've just killed it. Wait, 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 wait. 
Wait, wait, Mike. I just need to ask one question. Can I knock him into the stratosphere? Or was he one of those darn big enemies that when you hit them with the normal air-popping attack, he's stuck stubbornly to the ground like he's being tied down with concrete bricks? You can hit him into the air, but his undead dragon, you cannot. Damn. But I'll take him. All right. He's cool. He's okay in my books. Yeah, you remember yeah. him. He looks like a freaking Skeksy. And no, yeah. I'm not telling you where Skeksis come from. Everybody should know where Skeksis come from. Nah, and, and, and uh, you know, that was, unfortunately, some of those big enemies and stuff you couldn't pop in the air. Those weren't super, super fun. Unless they had, like, multiple parts and you had to worry about which ones to cancels and which ones. Some of those bloody battles were hard, man. I like hard battles. Well, Can't... Sam appears to have negative memories of this game. So let's take a walk down the unpleasant boulevard of Sam's memories of Grandia 3. Adrian was really nice to lend me this game. Too bad I fell asleep during it every time I played it. Well, and that's that's true, especially the beginning. The story is so oh. cliche. It's so insipidly boring. I, I, I kept pressing the star button hoping that I could just get to the next battle and hit more things into the air, and it didn't work. Oh, this game was just so boring yeah. like I, I think I sat there for like I played for about six hours and I remember sitting downstairs with Scott he was watching me play it and then all of a sudden Scott turns around and I'm snoring in my reclining chair <laughs> while there's a plot scene going on no less and he goes are you actually asleep <laughs> and he wakes he poked me a couple times he's like do you even know what's going on I'm like don't care sleepy blanket <laughs> Good times. All I remember about the game is the hot milf. <laughs> it shows you where my priorities were. Oh, but, but Sam, I didn't save it. I I mentioned this aspect to you. Remember Alonzo and how he pretty much takes everybody in the group for a ride by taking all their money and using it to gamble. Oh yes, Alonzo's sexy boat ride. How could I forget? <laughs> Okay, admittedly, I actually kind of liked Alonzo. I thought he was kind of funny. I also liked that he almost, you know, decided that he was going to marry Bianca if he lost. He was all like, yeah, um, I'll totally stay here with you. Oh my god, you're so fat. <laughs> and that's, like, all he said to her. It's like, she's so fat, I need to win some money so I don't have to stay here forever. Oh my god. I mean, I'd probably try to do the same thing, too, if I was being squished by a fat chick. Just saying, but Alonzo's cute. I like Alonzo. Does he? Does he and Miranda like totally? You know, uh, have they, fun time? Go, they go on a boat ride together, and you don't see them again for pretty much the entirety of the game. I don't. I haven't gotten to the end yet, so I'm not quite sure what happens there. But it's, you know, you know, I I beat the game, and the storyline was so boring that I honestly don't even remember the ending uh, aside from knocking things into the air it's all a blank so it was very up and down yeah I I was actually interested in the beginning I was like oh this is cool (laughs) (laughs) up and down you're funny I like you (laughs) what I oh I didn't even notice (laughs) I, I promise actually yeah I'm clever but anyway, Yay, I was I was very interested. I was interested in the game in the beginning. I was like, this is cool. And then it's like, you just go through these completely boring phases. And then there's like, oh, you meet these gigantic godlike animal guardians. And they give you 
powers and and those were cool too and then it just I don't know it's um it doesn't uh keep you interested other I than knocking things in the air for the, benefit of, for the benefit of Sam if you had played a little further you would have seen Donna and Donna would have gotten your attention because she's dressed in standard desert wear uh desert tribe wear and she has big boobs I know you would have noticed this boobs I don't think that would have saved the game for me, Jims, as much as, you know, I like my tatas, and I know that Anna likes her tatas. I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't think I could do it. Especially because, oh my god, Alfina is so dreadful. Her Between her and Yuki, I wanted to kill them both. It's like, Yuki's all like, I like planes, I like planes, I like planes! And Alfina's like, you're so cute, but I have to go do this thing that I don't really want to do, but I'm going to try to hang out with you because I really don't want to do that thing I'm supposed to do. And Yuki's just like, I like planes, I like planes, I like planes! (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, oh, God. I mean, this... Yeah, the storyline epitomizes many things that I really don't like in, (laughs) in JRPGs. They're just immature, they're... They're... I mean, there's plenty of Japanese animation out there that has really great stories and ha- deals with mature themes in a in a somewhat believable way that's entertaining to adults. And and JRPGs, generally speaking, in my opinion lately, just don't do a really great job of that. But this one really takes it to the extreme as far as insipidness and boredness, and you just you just want to get past it. It's excruciating in points. Uh, there's a few say- points where I wanted to get interested in it just because I like the battle system, so I was trying to get into the story, and uh, you know I kind of gave up on that about dozen you know dozen hours in. I'm like, okay, screw it. Every, I'm, good. I'm just gonna walk away every time they start talking. I'm just gonna go in the other room and I'm gonna throw my cat in the air and pretend I'm doing the battle system with the cat <laughs> until I can fight enemies on the game again. Ooh, Jeez, I should Phil, say have you never things. seen Gravity? <laughs> Well, Apparently my cat have it proven to him every day that gravity is still out there. And thankfully, you know, cats do land on their feet, so he didn't break his back or anything. Were you picking him up and catching him, or pick, or throwing him into the air and letting him fall to the ground? Well, I I I, I held the cat in one hand, and I'd hold a bat in the other hand. <laughs> Throw the cat up in the air and see what I can hit. It's kind of like a pinata, except he comes uh, back down. Uh, yeah, you don't well, want you don't, yada. You don't get a very good <laughs> disclaimer. RP Gamer does finish. not condone the punishment of animals in this fashion. Friendly <laughs> <laughs> animal yeah, website. I should mention there are a couple of things early on in the plot that I found very amusing. One is that Alfina is constantly called a communicator for a while, and for the longest time, I kept thinking, "Wait, there's a communicator." So we're going to be hearing from the Starship Enterprise any time now. Somebody should be, have this communicator on the chest and be using it to contact a starship. But no, that's not what happens. And there's also a guy named Raven who looks like he walked straight out of the Tron set, and he turns out to have some relation to Donna. They were lovers or something, and uh, yeah, he dies eventually. You know, it's, it's time for spoilers, so there, Raven dies. The guy who looks like he came out of the set of Tron, he's dead. He did? He did. I didn't pay attention. Could not come up into the air, so it really wasn't important. Yeah, you never Bill, fight. Do you remember him. the sheep? Sheep? Yes, you get to fight sheep in this game. Oh yeah, you know, I think I do remember sheep. Did I get to knock him up in the air? 
Yes, yes. you did. Yes. Oh, yeah, then I remember them. And you get to fight bunny rabbits and knock them into the air. Yeah, buddy. Bunny rabbit abuse for the win. There's even a field where there are nothing but sheep and bunny rabbits that you get to knock into the air. Uh, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I I personally can't recommend the game enough for the battle system. You know, you may not stick all the way through the game, but at least get get in it long enough to really get a taste of the battle system and stuff. And and and, and then you can see how JRPGs should be done: fast, fun, battle systems, engaging. Now, if we can just get a halfway decent story along the lines, and we'd actually have, you know, a, a fun game. Or, or at least take away the story and make it like Grotty Extreme, just more dungeony. And like, uh, I forget who said, Tom said, it really does need a better character development uh, system as far as after you're done with combat, who gets what skill points and how the skills advance. Uh, it could really use, uh, could use some work. If we could just take... What do we do? What if we take like the story from one and the development system from two and combine it with the battle system from three? With the, I mean, from uh, yeah, from three, would that work? That would work. I see no reason why. Sure. Sweet. All right. So there we go. We want a Grandia remake for our PSP and, and PlayStation Three. That's basically kind of these three guys in a nutshell. Just take elements from each one and call it Grandia Extreme One through Three, and you're all done. <laughs> So, Paul, oh, like I a new ground about uh, three. It's your turn to I talk hate. about anything we've forgotten. Um, I hate three. Three, I call not so lovingly grindia, because you have to grind in this game more than any other game, other than maybe Dragon Quest. You do. I played the long. Oh, I thought so, because otherwise some Where? of these bosses, some of these bosses just get super hard and they like one shot you. I don't know. Maybe maybe I just loved the battles so much that I was just. I was just killing stuff left and right. I kind of lost track of whether or not I would actually. I mean, I call it grinding normally if um, if I can get through the game, and I as long as I attack every little enemy along the way, then I don't call that grinding. But if I have to go back and clear dungeons extra number of times in order to be able to handle bosses, I call that grindy. But uh, you know what? I, I, it might be grindy because. Maybe maybe uh, I did like some of them so much that I went through them twice just for kicks and giggles because I like knocking things into the air. <laughs> I had to go back and look at the timestamp on my final save and see how, how long I spent in the game. I don't think it was that super long, though. Um, there no. really doesn't get you know, a whole lot of depth into it as far as, you know, there's really no point in leveling them up past a certain point. Though the final battles were tough for me, I will say. I, I don't remember if I got one-shotted or not, but I do remember them being pretty tough and having to actually use items and stuff yeah I just I had to go back through so many dungeons so many times to get through some of these bosses because they just hit so hard and I could not just outlast them it's basically like a giant endurance run on some of these bosses who can outlast two with their eight bajillion hit points and like seven different forms and pieces to hit and most of which you can't knock into the air so it's not very fun <laughs> it's not very fun if you can't knock them in the air yeah, good question. I yeah, I just I don't I don't know. I remember the bosses being I remember the bosses being tough, but yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe I had grinded up just going through the dungeons and stuff so much um, and whatnot. Towards the end, I was getting the last dungeon or two or whatever that was floating up in the air. I was kind of rushing past it because at that point I was starting to get a, a little bored. There there really is enough character development and stuff like that to keep it going. But I did like the dungeon designs. They were interesting and and kind of nice looking. The fields and stuff, some of like the uh, the jungle ones or 
the uh, desert ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I just like not get things in the air, so... Alright, so you can actually, uh, if you're looking for Grandia 3, you can actually find out your eBay half.com. It's generally going for almost $20 uh, after shipping and handling or whatnot. So it seems to be a title that's got at least a little bit of demand for it for a PlayStation 2 title. They, they normally go for a little bit cheaper than that. So there's, there's food for thought. And while y'all are thinking about knocking things way up into the air or whatnot, we're going to take a break and get ready for my simple. about a certain game that many people who want, who read Q&A back in the day will remember very, very well. It is Tengai Makyo, The Fourth Apocalypse, or Tengai Makyo, The Apocalypse 4, depending upon how you read it. It is, in fact, the most ludicrously insane game I have ever played in the RPG genre. But to describe exactly how insane it is, we must go on a tour of the locations of the game, because this game takes place in 1899 America. But a version of America we have never seen before. It in fact tells us that our history books and geography maps are incredibly wrong. This game tells us that in fact Alaska is an island to the northwest of the continent, with nothing connecting it to the rest of the United States. You will begin in Alaska, where you will ride the great sacred buffalo into the ice palace, and you will fight the evil blizzard, who looks like a punk rocker. And as you fight him, he will turn from a 2D animated cell to a 3D polygon. But that's just the beginning of the insanity. You will go from Alaska to Seattle, which, as we all know, is in Montana. Yes, Seattle, Montana. Portland is also in Montana, and in Montana you will face the evil Candy, who is trying to corrupt the youth of America with her horrible pop music, as you will hear in a concert in Portland, We Want Candy. But before you can face her, you must face her evil gang of motorcycle-riding Native American werewolves. Yes, you've never heard that before. But, but before you can face Candy herself, you must go through Candyland, which she has built on top of Seattle. And once you get there, she will use such horrible deadly attacks as Endless Love, which fortunately is not the most horrible pop song I can recall featuring Diana Ross and or Mariah Carey. Once you have beaten Candy, you must go to California. California can only be reached by way of Lake Tahoe, which has a king. The king is Monto, our favorite leisure suit wearing gorilla. Monto is also the top cinema star of 1899, as you will see when you watch a movie of his. Monto can only be beaten by going through his challenge the trap in USA and he will fight you with you with a diabolical means he will throw a herd of red white and blue reindeer at you I have no idea how he got those to the top of his tower but he did once you have beaten Monto you can head down to San Francisco where in Chinatown you will fight on a film strip and you will fight the actual B-movie monsters the mutant from this island earth and the Venusian pickle from Roger Corman's It Conquered the World yes there they are and you get to beat the crap out of them but once you have fought through that film strip you will be in Alcatraz and you must escape once you have gotten out of Alcatraz, you will head to Los Angeles, which is, in fact, 
quite dirt and quite a scum hole. But in Hollywood, everything is different. You will you will audition for Hollywood tycoon Ron Terry. And this makes a perfect reason to have a main character who is under the age of 18, because Hollywood tycoon Ron Terry does not want anyone who is of age to be auditioning for his movies. Once you have gotten there, you will find that Hollywood tycoon Ron Terry is in fact holding your childhood friend you may meet hostage with a, with a gang of oozy-toting henchmen. Once you have gotten through that horrible, horrible climax, you will take the vehicles that you have been using to travel through the Uni California, the Sashimi Marine the Tempura Fly, and the Sukiyaki Tank. They will combine into Geisha Robo! And you will use Geisha Robo to fight Monto in a gigantic robot combat in Death Valley. Once you have beaten him, you will fight Hollywood tycoon Ron Terry, who uses such horrible moves as the Silver Screen and the End. Once you have gotten past him, you will, be, you will find a, that you need to get out a helping hand. And with that helping hand in the form of a small amount of money, you will found Las Vegas, which you will return to later on only to find that a certain building named the WTC allows you to trade stocks and go for broke money-wise, remembering that this game was made in 1997 when the WTC was still a going concern. Once you have gotten past that, you will head to Arizona, where you will learn that the most evil, fiendish, Horrible plot of all is ongoing. You will see in an animated cinematic a young girl accosted at night as a stranger forces a whole pile of pills down her throat and she doubles in weight. That was wrong. As long as you're in Arizona, you might as well have a showdown at the OK Corral. And after that, you will face the fiendish Madame Appetit who is fattening people up for evil. But you will fight her in Tombstone, and once you leave Tombstone, you will find that a satellite in orbit, guided by Rocket Command in Houston, has just destroyed Tombstone. You will now have to use the Carlsbad Caverns to go from Arizona to Texas, but you can't go anywhere in Texas yet. You have to go to Mexico, and in Mexico, you will run across Bob, the Jamaican bobsleigh rider, and Bob has a horrible weakness. Bob, as all Jamaicans are prone to, when reggae is played from a beatbox in front of him, Bob will spin in a circle, dancing and chanting Rastafarian, Rastafarian, over and over. As we all know, this is what Jamaicans always do when they are confronted with reggae. You will also fight zombies in a town named Romero. Finally, you are through with Mexico and you can go to Texas. In Texas, you will find that General Custer commanded the Alamo, which is in fact a gigantic tank. You will also, in the town of Houston, find the evil robot duplicate of the U.S. president, and you will eventually fight him. We're not done yet, because in, before we can get to the next destination, we have to go through Salt Lake City. Yes, Salt Lake City, which is full of nothing but blue people. And you can only get through these blue people by going into the storybook that has turned them blue. But that's not all, because now we're off to Minnesota. And in Minnesota, we will go to Chicago, where the Mecha Mafia is running rampant. And you will fight the fiendish Dr. M, who I cannot understand, really, because half of his dialogue seems to be improvised. Once you have beaten the fiendish Dr. M, you must go to Florida, which, as we all know, is the home of Atlanta. In Atlanta, you will face the fiendish TV Man. TV Man, in fact, has a television for a head and has television control of the entire Florida area. 
The gigantic television in the center of Atlanta will indeed proclaim that you are a terrorist. And in order to shut down TV Man, you must say you must take the help of the Alamo, which has driven from Texas to Florida, and will assist you in taking down the in the television power network that is guiding everything. Once you have taken that down, you can climb through TV Man's horrible tower, fighting anchormen and stacks of cables until t- you finally face TV Man. TV Man has such horrible attacks as Sandstorm, where he will throw static at you. He has the telebeam, and his supreme weapon is Newsflash, where two guys sitting behind a desk will somehow harm you. I don't know how. It just does. Once you have beaten TV Man, you can go on to Louisiana. In fact, you will be going into New Orleans, which has recently suffered a disaster and is now nearly a ghost town. How did this happen? We don't know. It's probably for the best because this happened long before anything like that happened to the real New Orleans. You will also go through the subconscious of your friend Zengo, and I have not mentioned Zengo in particular. Your main character, Rising, has a mark of fire denoting his heroic status on his hand. His friend Yuno, the Native American maiden, has a mark of fire, but you can only see it when she pulls her top down. But Zengo, he has a mark of fire that requires him to pull his pants down and face backwards. Now... Now that you know where Zengo's mark of fire is, you can guess that going through his subconscious is not going to be pretty. The the mania does not stop really, but it does tone down as you head up to... Michigan! Where not only does Indianapolis incredibly reside, but you face Detroit, where the evil Karube uses... Whenever you are beaten by, he will vaporize a portion of Detroit... Finally, you have beaten Karube, who turns into something out of Resident Evil once he is once he is vexed. And at last, you can go on to the Devil's Island, Manhattan, where Norma Jean is waiting as you land. Why is she waiting? She wants to be a star on Broadway. And as you advance through the ruins of New York, you will enter the Statue of Liberty, and you will eventually face Sanitomo, the great evil. Sanitomo gives you three choices for how you can fight him. He can either have four lives, insane defense, or he can throw all 12 signs of the Zodiac at you. Yes, if you've always longed to destroy Leo, Capricorn, and Virgo, along with the others, you have your chance now! And once you have finally vanquished the last boss, you will have saved America, and all will be good. I haven't even talked about how the game plays, but it actually plays quite awesomely. The the enemies are visible. You can encounter them at will. The attacks come right through the screen at you. And... Actually, I don't need to say anymore. It plays well, the soundtrack is awesome, the voice acting is pretty good, and it is the most insane game I have ever played! Too bad that its PSP port did not come out over here, and that the original Saturn version also did not come out over here, because it would have attracted quite an audience. Sounds pretty normal. Uh, you know, James, I'm not going to be totally nitpicky, but Alaska technically isn't connected to the States anyways. Alaska isn't attached to the states. No, but it is, in fact, attached by means of British Columbia. There is no British Columbia on this map. Alaska is an island. Um, isn't Alaska attached to the Yukon Territory? Hang it's on, I'm going to pull up a map now. Okay. 
All I'm going to say is that when you look up extreme on Wikipedia, first you see Paul and his 180-hour marathon on Grandia, and, and then you see Mike's, what he just did. That's, wow. <laughs> so why didn't this ever come to, to North America or, or any other because territories? none of the games in this series have ever come to America, even though this would have been great. It plays like a Dragon Quest game that oh, is not, that works really, really well. I didn't even mention some of the goofy enemies you fight. Like, there are guys named Smiley who wander around with chainsaws and floor them. Uh, I think I, I know guess why it's because this. the idea of a game where the entirety of American geography and history is turned upside down was just too extreme for 1997. But yeah, this game is freaking awesome. The fact that I remember it so well, even how long has it been? four years, five years since I played it, tells you something. I got my Saturn modded to play this stupid thing because this is one of the few games where you don't get to save before changing discs. You have to swap the disc immediately, and Saturn converters don't work with that, so you have to actually have it set to play Japanese games. And I did it, and I don't regret it. I noticed there's um, a few remakes on like the Xbox 360, the PSP. You think those have any chance of coming over here? You know, I would have said that Zeria had a chance to come over because they put it on the 360 of all things, and to keep that in Japan is just really stupid, but they didn't. And the PSP remake, I know Victor Ireland was interested in bringing it over here. Whether that'll actually happen, I don't know. Apparently, apparently it's hard to translate games when the source code is lost, and this one is most likely no longer easily translatable like that. Uh, so that means people should buy Alundra and Ark the Lad so Vic Ireland can have lots of money and bring us one of these games, possibly. You know, you're supposed to come from him, too. So. Whew, wow. I, I'm, I'm still recovering. Um, do you have anything else to add to that one, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I think I said enough. Whew. Wow. Well, job well done, my friend. Holy cow. That 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 took some preparation. You're just really in full force tonight, aren't you? Pretty much. This is a special one. I had to be ready to give it the justice it deserves. And, yeah, uh, you know what? Here, let me just uh, share with you the beautiful map of America that this game possesses. So take a look at that and see what I didn't mention already. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot to mention Mike. that Yellowstone is also in Montana. Yeah. Well, make sure you post that link in the show notes so our readers can see what all of us are <laughs> staring at at this particular moment. Yeah, I should mention that Tombstone was vaporized by Order of Houston, so it is only on that app for a little while. Well. Yeah. Wow. Well, while we're all studying the map of America and recovering, um, <laughs> uh, let's take a few moments and we'll come back to wrap things up on the final lap.
this week we've had a, a, a couple of comments on the boards, kind of going back and forth there. Mr. Mike, are you keeping an eye on those guys? Oh, uh, let me see here. I'll have to refresh my memory. Strawberry Eggs was pretty, uh, pretty happy with our with our skit, and that involved more people than just you and me. Though I could hardly imagine why me, you and I. I mean, wh- who else would you need? <sighs> Especially since we're so versatile with our voice acting, you know. Oh yeah, Seraphim Kitten says that Anna Seraphim Kitten is apparently your biggest fan and wants to hear everything you ever say. Seraphim Kitten doesn't just lead my fan club. Seraphim Kitten is my fan club. <laughs> he teaches at multiple spots. You know, it's just yeah. my fan club is full. Ninety percent of the slots are filled by Seraphim Kitten. <laughs> well, she was she was gossiping over you. He, in the oh my God, Seraphim Kitten is a guy. Oh, he, it. he, he, he. Can I knock him up in the air? With a sword? That's all I care about. No, I'm sorry, you can't. Oh. You are uh, not allowed swatting gender bending boardies. That means no strawberry eggs either. <laughs> Does oh, anyone think that strawberry is eggs isn't female? I think we've pretty well established that. Are you sure? What? What? Strawberry well, she eggs calls is a guy. the cast every now and then. Oh, no, wait, yeah. yes. Strawberry eggs is a girl. God. Yeah, this is this is the problem with boardies and and ambiguous names. Um, yeah, and speaking of, we do have a, 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 a somebody who wants to jump in and talk about Fallout Three that sent me an MP3. Um, it's one of the staff members, so you think I would remember who they are, but we all know how I am about names. So hopefully, he or she or it introduced themselves on the MP3 recording. So stay tuned after the show. I- Raise my hand. I can tell you who it is. It's Foul oh, Sorceress. Who? Yeah. Okay. Foul Sorceress. Is that a girl? <laughs> I'm just messing. All right. No, I'm just I'm messing. Like, I thought that was Sam's boyfriend. I- I'm just messing. Yeah, the one who needed attention, so that's why Sam isn't here for the end. Oh. Send him uh, hate mail. We need more Sam. Phew. <laughs> As always, all of our listeners can also help to interact with us at the RPG Backtrack by posting on our boards at board.rpgamer.com, as well as mailing in uh, any MP3 reviews they have of our previous or upcoming games that we've spoken about here on Backtrack, which we'll mention in just a minute what games are coming up on the next show. Before we go there, however, it is time for our contest question of the week. And uh, uh, do you have a do you have a, a good question for us? Does somebody have a good question? Anna, do you have a question? I'm being put on the spot. No one told me what the question is. <laughs> I, I I just I thought you mentioned earlier trivia in the chat, so I thought you might have something. Oh yeah, that was my little my little nuggets of of cute information about Grandia too. Do you want to rephrase them in a form of a question? <laughs> Look, I've got kind of like Jeopardy. Hey, Mike, okay, how so you doing? <laughs> Mike's got one. I'm just messing with you. Go yeah, ahead, I'll, Mike. I'm just gonna ask. Who was the voice actor in the Japanese version of Grandia for General Ball? So who was ballsy enough to handle the <laughs> handle the role of General Ball in the Japanese version of Grandia? Please mail that to what's your email address, Mike? Albert Odyssey at Hotmail. I, I'd rather than mail it to you because that way you could just mail it to me and say we have the winner rather than them mailing it to me and then yeah. So Albert Odyssey at Hotmail dot com. And uh, part of the contest is just figuring out how to spell that, because if you can spell that, you're a better person than I am. Um, I should say, everybody border seems to have trouble spelling that when I come in and use my card. 
<laughs> so mail that in, and 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 you will win um, your choice of one of my beautifully used game collections that's on the get rid of list. Which we know each one of those is an excellent classic in its own right, and and whatnot. So, I think Enchanted Arms on the PS3 is looking pretty lonely this week. Uh, I don't know. So we get in tactics for the PS2. Anyway. <laughs> Oh my gosh, next week, next couple of weeks, at some point, we'll be t- doing RPG Backtrack number 28, Guess Binst Kick, or however you pronounce that. Guess Binst. Uh, yeah, thank you. We'll be talking about tactical robot action that very seldom crosses the Pacific. We'll, uh, on Blast from the Recent Past, you can expect to hear us jab about Rune Factory 2, Valkyrie Chronicles, Tales of Symphonia, Dawn of the New World. Um, and then we'll be going into one of Mike's favorite series. Mike, tell us what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about Super Robot Tyson, Original Generation. And because so few games in this enormous series can possibly cross the Atlant- the Pacific without any licensing issues, it's going to be fairly focused. Although, since I am not alone this time in having played some of the imports, we're going to extend the discussion there because it's only natural. And we will discuss it at length because these games are awesome and just for fun I'm even going to read out every game in this series while we do it and that will take me over a minute because there are a lot of them and most of them will never cross the the Pacific so import them if you want to play them otherwise you'll never see them or write your senator it's an election month so write your senator and demand that these games be brought over here Get, yeah, maybe they'll, That's they'll, right. We're going to be recording this the day before the election. Yeah, yeah. So, um, at any rate, um, just a reminder, you guys, you can record any of your thoughts on any of these Super Robot Tyson games as well as the ones I just mentioned. And email those into jcservant at rpgamer.com. Follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpgamer. Become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. Of course, I want to thank each one of my guests who are still with us anyways. Anna, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to say to the audience before we go tonight? Yes, because Sam is not here, I want to mention that the OJ series has realistic boob jiggle. (laughs) I went a lot of this out. Next time, Anna, so she can talk about that. Okay, good. Then I'm just giving a tease in her place. Carry on. And Anna, you you need to play one of these games. Sure, mail one to me. Preferably one with the jiggly bounce. Hey, Paul, can you top that? <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> Sorry. Is there anything you want to tell the audience? Do any uh, any writing? Anything you want them to check out on the site? Uh, no, I just do background stuff. Um, don't play Grandia three. Go play Grandia one, two, or Extreme. Skip three. <laughs> don't listen to him. Play three and knock things into the air. <laughs> Tom, anything you want to say in parting? I just want to give a shout-out to Utah Animal Control, which is on their way to Phil's house right now. Sometimes you might hear the cat meowing in the background, and that's actually one of my mini targets, just kind of nursing her wounds. <laughs> I'm surprised your cat still lets you come within touching distance. Oh, they try to run, but they can't hide. (laughs) And to your audience, we thank you for not abusing your pets and listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you are the reason we do this. 
RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister cast, RPG Cast, at rpgamer.com. Mr. Mike, take us to bed. Do you like battles that stay involving throughout the game? Do you like detailed environments with, envi- with atmospheric scores? Do you like characters who aren't deep but are quite relatable? Do you like beating the crap out of everything in your path and being eager to do it some more? Extreme the majority of the games aren't, but the non-extreme ones are oddly better. How can that be? Maybe we'll have a chance to see what a new grindy will be like, but even if it doesn't happen, Game Arts did right by us. Sorcerers here, talking about one of the games from Blast from the recent past. Fallout 3 and I have something of a love-hate relationship. The plot and a lot of the quests can just be rock-stupid, and, and any time you get, think too hard about the science, you just want to bang your head against the wall. I mean, nothing should last... none of the stuff in there should last 200 years. Plus, um, filtering radiation out of water? You can do that with mud, not the Genesis device. But, you turn around and you give me some stretch of wasteland or a subway tunnel full of girls, and well, me and my uh, combat shotgun find ourselves in a happy place. <laughs>